Poker Fraud Alert Radio, half an hour late, but I have a good excuse this time. I have a computer that doesn't work anymore. The computer that was used to broadcast this show for just about every episode, I don't think it's going to be able to be used for that anymore. Uh, When I was preparing it to get the show ready, 
it was rejecting the sound card, and I thought, oh, no, another sound card went down, just like all the problems we had last year. Turned out it was not the sound card, because I'm on that same sound card broadcasting right now from a different computer. It looks like the computer is uh, rejecting the sound cards for whatever reason, and I, I don't have time to diagnose exactly what is going on from a technical standpoint, but if I cannot fix that computer between now and next week, then that computer will have done its last poker fraud alert radio. Fortunately, I have my old computer around, so I was able to get that, and hopefully it will do the job. It is a little bit slower, but uh, so far so good, and if we have any difficulties such as cutouts or things like that, you'll understand why. I thought I was going to have to either cancel the show or uh, do the show with the internal sound card on that computer, which would have meant I could not have taken phone calls. And tonight is not a good night to be without phone calls, because uh, we have a special phone call coming in, actually uh, going out tonight, to a person who's been on this show before. And uh, a lot of you are waiting for that moment, and I will explain that when I give the agenda. But before I do that, because we're starting so late, I want to let everybody know about our free roll tonight. We do have a free roll, which starts in nine minutes. I did not delay the free roll, so it's going at 7.40. It's 7.31 right now. It is a $45 free roll. It is thanks to The Side Dish, who donated $25, Dirty Ernie, who donated 10 and Hockey Guy, who donated 10 And as always, since the money is donated, I give the donors the chance to decide how the money is used. And if they have a special request... I will always honor that request because it's their money. I don't have a right to tell you how to spend how to spend your money. In fact, that's really what uh, our arguments have been the whole time about online poker legislation, about legalizing online poker in the United States, saying that the United States government should not tell us how we can spend our money. And if we want to spend it on online poker, we should be able to. So, same goes for the free roll on the site. I'm not going to tell the donors, how I'm going to use their money. So, one of our donors, Hockey Guy, and I'm not sure if this was a joke or not, but he said that he's donating $10, but only if the $10 goes towards second place in honor of Shady J, who finished second to him in the World Series of Poker pool that they did for the main event. So I assume that was a serious request. Either way, I'm going to treat it that way. So, this is going to be a... Liz Lou Honorary Tournament. The reason I call it a Liz Lou Honorary Tournament is because... Oh, good. I see we just got more money for the free roll. Anyway. It's a Liz Lou Honorary Tournament in that Liz Lou in uh, 2006 received less money for finishing first than finishing second. And if you go take a look at her uh, Hendon Mob results... Yeah, Handed Mob being the database that lists people's results. If you click on Liz Liu and look at a Limit Hold'em tournament she won in 2006, you'll see she got less money for first than the person did for second. I've explained that story before. In fact, you'll see I finished eighth in that tournament. So, in honor of that, today, second place will be the highest payout. So it'll be interesting. When they get down to heads up, the correct play will be to lose. The correct play will be to go all in pre-flop with a Seven deuce offsuit into fold aces, <laughs> but up till then you want to you want to win. It's a weird tournament, but that, that's what we can do here on Poker Fraud Alert because we have these every week, and sometimes we do things a little bit differently. So it is no limit hold'em, but second place pays higher than first. We have a sixty dollar prize pool now thanks to Trader SHKY who just gave fifteen dollars. Uh, 
So this is the way it's going to go. I'm just making this up as I go along right now. It's going to be $15 for first, 30 for second, 10 for third, and 5 for fourth. You heard me right. 15 for first, 30 for second, 10 for third, 5 for fourth. That is the way we are giving out the free world money tonight. If you do not like this, if this bothers you so much, then you can either watch the World Series of Poker main event, which is going on right now, and uh, they are paying more for first than they are for second, and a lot more than $30, too. Or you can wait till next week, and we will be back to a much more regular payout structure unless people, again, request that they want something different. See, like, Rolo Tomasi's complaining in the chat, it's dumb. Well, okay, it's dumb, but that's what was requested. That's the that's the way hockey guy wants his money spent. So there you go. So thank you, though, to our four people who donated to the free roll. You do need an account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room where the tournament's taking place, as usual. It is a totally free account. You don't need any play chips even to play the tournament. You just need to register an account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which is a separate system than our forum, so make sure to register one on the Poker Room if you don't have one there. And to qualify for the free money that I just talked about, there is one restriction, same restriction we always have. You need to have a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert Forum dated January 1st, 2013 or before. If your account is dated after that or you don't have one yet, you will need to send me an email immediately. And when I say immediately, I really mean immediately before the tournament starts. Dandruff at PokerFraudAlert.com. Dandruff at PokerFraudAlert.com. And tell me how long you've been listening, what you've liked, what you haven't liked, and tell me more details about the show than what I've written in the descriptions so you can convince me you've been around listening, and then I will give you a lifetime exception to qualify for the free money. So if you just if you don't do this, and then you... Ask me for the money after you win. I will not give it to you. Those are our rules. Those have been our standing rules for a long time. So that's going on tonight. Starts in four minutes. There's no late registration. If you want to call, you can call me during the show. There is no co-host, so I'm not going to be able to read the chat as much as I normally do, but I'll try. But if you want to call, we have two phone numbers. The phone numbers are... 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Make sure to show your caller ID with star 82, which you put before the number you dial. Otherwise, you will not get through. Also, you can get through on our Mount Charleston line. The The Mount Charleston line is an old 70s rotary telephone sitting on top of Mount Charleston, which is a mountain that hangs above Las Vegas. You can reach us on that phone number at 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. You also have to show your caller ID with that one. So get into the free roll if you want to if you want to play it. If you want to try to finish second. So here's the agenda for tonight. And uh, I guess me starting late had an advantage to those of you that hate all the fluff at the beginning of the show. I kind of like rushed through it. So we're ready to go very quickly. Here's the agenda. Chris Moneymaker and Jason Young, as I mentioned last week, they had a, a big brouhaha in 2 Plus 2 about a 20K or thereabouts sports betting debt from Chris to Jason. I gave my opinion last week and explained it last week. Well, there's more to the story this week. Last week, it appeared they had resolved it. 
but it's not resolved. There's many things unresolved, and right in the center of that whole thing, a very major part of that thread is yours truly. I got heavily involved in that thread because I felt like it. I didn't have anything at stake there. And I will talk about the developments with that. Another continuation of last week's story. Pure Poker. Remember I talked about them, how they hijacked Lock Poker's old software when Lock Poker left the Revolution Network and started their own network? Well, I've figured out a lot more about Pure Poker, what they are, what they're really offering. It's not quite what I said last week. I have a lot more clarity now, and I will explain it. Much of this I uncovered on my own. Speaking of Lock, the Revolution Network has put out a statement that they insist Locke owes them money, even though Locke is denying it. And how is Locke doing on their new network they started themselves? I'll let you know that. The next segment, which I don't know if we'll do in this order, because I know a lot of people are really waiting for this next segment, but a lot of people are also dreading this next segment. So I don't know what to do here. Like, this is a poker show. This is a show mainly about... Scams and scandals in poker and poker news and gambling news and Las Vegas news. But I throw in some entertainment elements. We have some comic relief characters that come onto this show. And the comic relief character that probably comes to mind first, if you've been listening for any length of time to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, is Bad Guy 23. He loves to call in, he does his thing, he's, you know, he brags about, uh, all kinds of things he does, some of which I don't approve of personally, but we, we give him his voice here. He's, he's our comic relief character, and a lot of people enjoy his calls into the show. He's a mainstay here, especially towards the end of the show. Well, at some point a few months ago, he introduced an ex-girlfriend of his. I, I thought it was a girl he was currently dating at the time, but it wasn't. It was actually an ex-girlfriend from a long time ago that was still a good friend of his. Her name was Josie. She posts on the forum as Josie the Pussycat. She's posted pictures of herself that I can assure you are real. Some people are saying, oh, it might be a fake picture, it might be, not, might not even be her. It really is her, and that really is Josie posting on this form. It's not even bad guy posting as her. The whole thing is exactly as it appears. Well, she came out after an absence of some time from this forum. She came out and just really blew things up. She came out and called out Bad Guy for something that she is very unhappy about that he supposedly did to her. And I believe her. When I say supposedly, I mean, I don't have proof, but I believe her. Anyway, we're going to put her on the show, and she will talk about that. It has nothing to do with poker, nothing to do with Las Vegas or gambling or anything like that. Just two characters from this show. It involves one who's going to call in, one who I don't know if she'll call in, if he'll call in or not. But Josie's definitely going to call in, or I will call her, and we will hear from her. I'm not sure what order I'll do that in. Some people are saying, "No, put that at the end of the show, so I don't have to hear it." Others can't wait. Others just are are listening just to hear that, and some are in between, just want to hear everything. Party Poker founder Ruth Parasol, remember the the phone sex woman, well, one of many phone sex women. She was a phone sex line owner back in the 80s, made a lot of money, and then was one of the founders of Party Poker. She has been kicked out of the company that she started, Bwin.Party. Bwin Party. She's been forced out of it. I'll tell you why, and uh, I'll explain that whole thing. Speaking of Party Poker, they have ended their segregated tables. 
they've promised more communication to their players after uh, a lot of shady stuff they were doing. Not like stealing shady stuff, but just a lot of rule changes behind the scenes and sneaky things they were doing that they weren't telling people about, hoping to pull a fast one on them. So uh, they have a new head of poker. He's saying those times are over, and the first thing we're going to change is no more segregated tables. I'll explain that whole thing. Poker host, we talked about last week how they have been banning players who are winners. Banning people just because they won on the site. Just because they're not only winners, but projected to be continued winning players. They're banned from poker host only for that reason. Well, they've done a new thing. They've killed player-to-player transfers. I'll give you my commentary on that. New allegation against Annie Duke. Actually about her boyfriend, I think now fiancé, Joe Reitman. That Joe cheated to win a UB tournament. And what does Annie have to do with this? Well, Annie, who had been under fire for maybe using a super user tool to help him win, denied everything and insisted that Joe did this all himself, fair and square, without any outside help from a super user tool or anything else. Well, the good news is he did not seem to cheat with a super user tool, but the bad news is he supposedly didn't play himself, according to a report from Scott Bell, a.k.a. Eleven Grover. I will read the report and read an update to the report that he gave. Of course, the main event's going on right now. Final two people are in the main event, uh... And uh, the other seven are obviously gone. Went pretty quickly yesterday. And uh, the two remaining have been trading leads, uh, Ryan Reese and Jay Farber. But uh, a lot of people criticized the play yesterday on Twitter. A lot of people, especially Scott Seaver, but others were just going off on how people were playing the main event final table. A lot of people so critical of it, saying it looked like a table full of amateurs. I'm going to read some of these comments from Twitter, and then I will give my commentary as to whether I thought the play was really terrible and whether I thought that uh, these comments that people were making from the Twitter rail were fair. And uh, finally, another main event topic. Sylvain Loosely, who finished fourth, I believe, uh, yesterday in the main event, did he angle shoot? Was he an angle shooter at the main event final table with the way he was raising? I'll give you my opinion on that and explain what he's accused of. Those are our topics tonight. If you want to communicate with me, you can call me on either of the two phone numbers I gave, 775-FRAUD55 or 702-430-1808. Or you can do so in the chat room, which is the big chat button on the very top of the screen. And you need an account on the forum to get into the chat. I will try to read that as much as I can, but uh, since I'm doing the show alone tonight... I will not be able to read the chat as much as I have in previous weeks. I have good or bad news for everybody, depending upon whether you like the laugh track and other associated sound effects. A lot of people have had mixed opinions on the laugh track that I had here. I did have a laugh track on this show that I've been using for the last few weeks, and At first, it had a lot of positive reaction, but the reaction to the laugh track has been going down, 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 to where I feel now the majority, and there's no way for me to know for sure, because the vast majority of listeners never contact me. They just listen and and never say anything. But from what I've heard, the feedback I've gotten from our regulars is that the laugh track, people don't like. So I'm going to do away with the laugh track this week. In fact, 
There won't be any sound effects this week. We're going to try it with no sound effects. No laugh track. No drum fill. No $1 million from Dr. Evil. None of that. Nothing. And we will see if uh, people like that. Uh, just Well, this will be the one time. This is the laugh track I was talking about that I'm not going to do after this. <laughs> so I kind of like the laugh track, but I'm going to do away with it. I This is... Your commentary at work This is showing that the show Is about what you want Rather than what I want So You guys want no laugh track For the most part Fine No laugh track The chat room They're saying I've been using it too much They're okay with it But it's uh, On too much So I'll keep that in mind too Maybe I'll bring it back next week But uh, A lesser use of it But this week We're going to try No laugh track No sound effects And uh, We'll see how everybody likes it Maybe we'll bring back the sound effects next week without as much use. I think sound effects are good for a radio show. But whatever. Someone suggesting I should get uh, Ed McMahon laughing. <laughs> Someone else asking if I could just play the laugh track for three hours. I, I guess I could have a show like that. Just a special show which is just laugh track after laugh track for three hours. I could do that. Someone saying, who cares? You're in charge, Druff. Well, I am in charge, but I want to give the listeners what they want. I, want, I don't want to just force things down your throat that you don't enjoy. So, uh, what do I do first here? Josie's in the chat. I, I kind of want to call her, but then a lot of people listen to the show just for the poker stuff, and I, I don't know if I should subject them to this long thing with Josie. So I'm, I'm going to start with some poker stuff. Then I'm going to go to Josie. Then I'm going to go back to poker stuff, and if you don't like it, tough luck. This is this is an executive decision on my part. I can't let the chat room or the forum dictate everything. But I do appreciate your comments, and I do always value your feedback, good or bad. So let me talk about Chris Moneymaker and Jason Young. Now, I'm not going to recap the whole story, because that was last week. If you want to hear it, we had a long segment on that last week during our five-hour show. But basically what happened... Uh, from what we can tell here is that Chris Moneymaker and Jason Young were free-rolling each other in a bet. This goes back 18 18 months to April 2012. And Jason Young had a bookie he was working for. He was the agent for a bookie. And this is bracelet winner Jason Young, of course, not just a random guy. He claimed to be an agent for a bookie, took a, a large bet from Chris Moneymaker. Chris lost it. And Chris could not pay because Chris placed this bet without the money to pay him immediately. I think Chris was believing that uh, he was going to be getting a staking deal very soon and was going to make money that way and he'd be able to pay it off. So I don't believe Chris was scamming him. I think Chris was free-rolling him with the intent to pay and with belief he would be able to pay from the staking deal. Not that it makes it right. That's totally wrong to do. But Jason Young, it turns out, from what we can tell, also was free-rolling Chris Moneymaker. He also did not have the money to pay. And even worse... The bookie that he was supposedly referring Chris to, that he was the agent for, probably did not exist. It probably was Jason himself, and Chris was betting with a fictitious third party that Jason was claiming was a trusted bookie, when in reality this trusted bookie was fake, and Jason probably set up so if he ended up owing money he couldn't cover, he could blame it on this bookie rather than himself. Either that or so he can get action more easily because people who heard that he didn't have much money wouldn't have to question that because they thought they were betting with a an established bookie. So whatever the reason, it was very dishonest from Jason Young's standpoint, both to book a bet that he could not cover and 
to book this as a phony third party. So he could claim the book he ran off and he doesn't owe the money. Or at least if he does owe the money that it would take a very long time for him to pay and that would be acceptable because he's just doing the right thing by covering for the bookie and running off. Makes him look like a great guy rather than a bad guy. Well, there's been a lot of debate on this. Especially because it's become pretty clear. And Jason Young posted a bunch of text messages last week. Uh, I think it was on Halloween he posted a bunch of text messages from Chris Moneymaker. They were very sad. I'm going to read them pretty shortly here, but the text messages pretty much indicated that uh, Moneymaker is a huge degenerate gambler, was totally broke back then in April 2012, probably still is broke. And and really, you know, the Chris Moneymaker that you saw winning $2.5 million in 2003 and the guy who's getting all these lucrative sponsorships from poker stars is no one to be jealous of at this point because he's broke. He's busto and the, the texts were pretty pathetic. And of course, Jason Young was a jerk to post them, but uh, they were posted and they, they were out there. So me reading them on this show is not violating Chris's privacy. Like, if, if I got these somehow through some sort of uh, means where hardly anyone had seen them, I would not read them on this show. That would be violating Chris's privacy. But these have been now seen by many thousands of people on 2 Plus 2, so I might as well read them. Uh, but anyway, there's been a lot of debate on this as to whether Chris still owes the money. And I gave my opinion last week, which is still the same, and that is if the person you bet with did not have the money to cover the bet when you placed it, and they did not tell you that, then you've been free-rolled, then you've been scammed, and you don't owe the money if you lose. It doesn't matter what your situation was. It just matters that the bet was a scam and you don't have to pay. And had the bet gone the other way, had Chris won the bet, I would say Jason doesn't have to pay him either because it was clear that Chris was broke. So I think the whole bet should be null and void since both sides were free-rolling each other. <laughs> it's, uh, especially on Jason's side where he, he wasn't even betting as himself. He was betting as a fake third party, which is even worse because it's like a, a premeditation for running out on any money you might owe. Otherwise, why create this fake third party? So, I got involved with the thread, and I, I stated this. I made a lot of posts on the subject. I got very involved in the whole thing. And uh, at one point, Jason got very angry at me. He went off on me in a profanity-laden post back to me and uh, was pretty angry. But um, it still is not solved. Last week I reported on the show that Chris had said that what he's going to do is he's going to pay the 20000 he owes, but not to Jason. He's going to pay it to other people that Jason currently owes money to, that he had bets with. Because Jason has other people like Sheets that he owes money to from other bets. <laughs> so, you know, Chris owes Jason, supposedly, but Jason owes a lot of people. So Chris is saying, okay, well, even though you were free-rolling me, what I'll do is I'll pay the people you owe. And I, th- I thought that was a bad ending to the whole thing, because I felt Chris should not owe anything to anyone. He shouldn't be paying Jason's debts. The bet should be dead. So anyway, Chris, after reading several opinions there, including mine, he didn't cite which opinions changed his mind, but he decided that he's not going to pay any of the people Jason owes, or Jason himself. He wasn't going to pay anyone, and then eventually he settled on the claim that he's going to donate the 20k to charity, and that'll be the way that he pays off the bet. Which I also thought was stupid. If you're broke, you really should not be giving money away to charity. Um, if Chris Moneymaker had all kinds of money and said, look, 
Um, I don't feel I owe you because you were free-rolling me, but I don't want people to think that I, I did this so I can keep $20,000, so what I'll do is I'll give the twenty k to charity. Great, that's a very nice gesture, that's a great way to solve it. Beautiful. But what's not beautiful is when you are broke, when twenty k is huge to you, you shouldn't be giving away money to charity at that point. Charity is really something you should be giving to when your own needs are taken care of, when you have extra money that you can part with without any kind of hardship on your part. You should not be harming your own personal situation where you can't make ends meet to give to charity. That's not what charity is for. So either Chris owes it or he does not owe it. If he owes it, he should pay Jason. I don't think he does, but if if that's the conclusion he comes to, that he owes it, he should pay Jason. If he comes to the conclusion he doesn't owe it, which I think is the right conclusion, then don't pay anyone. Say, I'm sorry, you were free-rolling me, you were scamming me, I have enough evidence that you were scamming me, I have enough evidence this bookie was fake, you will not present the evidence to me to counter that, so I'm just not paying. Too bad, tough luck. And some people are saying, well, he's only doing this to restore his reputation, because Chris Moneymaker, obviously his reputation is important, he's the uh, pretty much the face of the poker boom, he was the first high-profile World Series of Poker main event winner. And uh, he would have a lot of sponsorship and maybe staking opportunities if uh, he doesn't have baggage like this. But the problem is, he already has the baggage now. Anybody who's read that thread will never stake Chris Moneymaker again. Anybody who's read that thread will never bet with him again, seeing that he was free-rolling people. His reputation to anyone reading that thread is shot, even if he ends up donating to charity. Nobody's going to trust him again. The only people who will trust him again are ones who uh, don't know anything about this. And I hesitated because we have a call, which I'll take. Caller, you're on the air. Mr. F? Yes. Mr. F, this yes. is Ron Ron, man. What's going on? This is... This is Ron gonna Ron. That's right. Okay, so you you had a situation here uh, over the past week. You're a, a new user on the forum. Is that correct? I'm a I'm a new member of the forum. I've been a long time lurker though. Okay, long time lurker. And so you said that you bet on one of C Money's picks. You see, Money has been doing so well over the last uh, year with his wormhole picks, and that you bet a lot of correct. money on one, and it lost. And and you came and made an account on here and posted that you were not happy about this. And then, of course, you got a very uh, poor reaction from the forum about this. Correct. So so, uh, what is your call about tonight? Well, in my defense, first of all, let me just say this. I did and I do apologize about what I said about C-Money. I was clearly way out of line. I just put entirely too much money on the game because I kind of had a bad session playing cards. I took a shot. C-Money's always been, always came through, even whenever he came through with the Chiefs and the Titans game, or the Texans, I'm sorry, the Texans. Although it was very close, he came through. After you see somebody win time after time after time, you tend to think, man, this guy really knows something. So I finally just threw a shit ton on there. Now, you know, I again, again, I do apologize. I did apologize on there. I was way out of line by saying the stuff I did. Now, I, I have to say here that uh, I've actually been afraid to start betting on these because I, I don't want to change anything. And, and I'm not usually a superstitious guy, but these have been going so well for people. And, and I, I had been thinking the same thing watching it, just seeing win after win after win, and he started this season again so well, and I said, 
you know, why don't I put some money? I was going to put huge money, but I thought, why, why don't I start just betting, you know, a thousand dollars on these every time or something like that, and and see what happens. But right. then I said, you know what? I I just know when I started, I somehow it's going to change everything. <laughs> it's gonna, they're going to start losing. I said, I'm not going to screw with it. I'm just going to let it stay the way it is and let the users win here. And uh, but I was worried that at some point that uh, perhaps someone would overextend themselves and and uh, bet too much and then uh, get into trouble. And I know even C Money was concerned about that as well because, of course, it is still gambling. You know, he's not a psychic, and uh, oh, of course. And, and so this is, uh, and and we had heard about last year people who were wagering all kinds of sick money on it. And I'm thinking, oh boy, I think people should really bet what they could only afford to lose. And uh, so, uh, did you state in this thread? I can't so, find it right now. Did you state how much you lost there? I never did. You never did. I'm not scared to say how much I did, but I never did. Okay, well, so how much did you lose on this on this game? Well, my bankroll was just a hair over five grand, and I put four grand on it. Ah, oh, jeez. Now I can see how that hurts. Now the good side of that is that while four grand hurts a lot when you have a bankroll of five grand, uh, at least it is only four grand, and uh, even someone who doesn't make that much money. Can can replenish four grand uh, in a reasonable amount of time. It's not like betting a uh, hundred thousand. So exactly. So at least, exactly. At least, so you know, I mean, when I do go hand the bookie money, I don't have to give him my entire bankroll. But you know, handing over forty four hundred dollars, that's still not a bad. That's not a very good day by any means. It's just yeah. some things are not fair. Yeah. I mean, some things are not fair. Some things are not right. But the whole time I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know. Although it was incredibly close, he knows something. After I watched what happened to the Chiefs and the Texans, I was like, he's got to know something. He's got to know. Well, all right. Um... But, again, he he said, you know, wormhole was way out of line this week or something along those lines. So, you know, again, I just wanted to come on the air. And I want to say that I apologize. Well, ho- hopefully they accept your I apology. Everybody here. Can hear me. I, I know we have a, a tough crowd here. And uh, if I, now, are you? I have a question for you. I see you're from uh, the, the Kansas City area. Uh, Correct. We have a new user today named Radiant Darkness that people are accusing of being Jay Searles, who's also from uh, Kansas City. Now, you're from Kansas City, too. Fuck that fucking Jay Searles, dude. I've seen the shit that he did. No, I know you're not, I know you're not Jay Searles. Bet. He's, yeah, I know. A, he's a welter-nasty No, I can tell you you're not him because your voice is different, but uh, are you this radiant darkness person, or is that someone totally different, too? I swear on my mother, that is not me. Right, I so am wrong, going to wrong, and we, that is it. We have a, an influx of, of Kansas City people here, but okay. Uh, so, all right. I, I wish One you thing luck. is, I just don't. I don't think it's fair about what happened. I do, however, think it's fair about me getting, you know, so many neg reps. I do understand that. Well, okay. But I just don't think it's fair. Something else, you know, I don't think it's fair is the fact that what is the difference between Pluto and Goofy? There shouldn't be one. They're both dogs. Why does Goofy get to drive a car? And talk, but Pluto has to sleep in a doghouse. I think They're I, both dogs. Okay, now, now you're losing me. I, I was with this whole phone call until that part of it. So, uh, so okay. Thank you for the for the call. Of this and uh, you know, hopefully the community eventually uh, forgives you. This is a, a tough place to, to just break in and uh, and and fit in right away. And sometimes uh, you get off to a start like this, and, and then nobody wants to accept you. But uh, hopefully you'll persevere. And if you don't, at least you'll still still listen to the show. And uh, thank you for calling in. And uh, everybody's heard your apology. We'll see if they accept it. Thanks. Okay, thank you. So that was uh, Ron Gunnar Ron 
One of the uh, longtime listeners here decided to take a chance and post something, and he posted something that I could have predicted was not going to get a good response, and that was uh, criticizing the C-Money wormhole. You just don't do that. It's not going to win every time, but it has been very impressive. Very impressive. But I, I'm telling you the truth that I haven't bet on it. Just I don't want to ruin it. So, I, I don't think it's Jace Earls 22. I, know, I, I remember Jace Earls' voice. It doesn't sound anything like him. Doesn't sound like Windsor Lockwood either. Like, I don't know why everybody in the chat thinks that there's only like one person from Kansas City. Everybody thinks anyone from Kansas has got to be all the same guy, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> oh boy, I, I posted today on the forum that anyone from Kansas City should probably claim they're from somewhere else because no one's going to believe they're real. I usually have a pretty good eye for these things, though. From uh, all my time in chat rooms And determining whether the girls I'm talking to Are real and if they are real females If their uh, picture's real I'm telling you It's a it's an acquired skill So uh, let me get back to the money maker thing And uh, I'm going to read the text At least some of these Between money maker and uh, Jason Young And I'll tell you it's pretty Depressing Pretty depressing stuff and it really gives you a window into Chris Moneymaker's life at the time, and also his relationship with his wife, which, frankly, isn't very good, isn't very honest. So this is July 25th, the texts start, and I believe these texts are all authentic. I don't think any of these are faked. Don't have any proof of that, but I believe them to be real. So this is July 25th, about three months after he lost the money with Jason Young's fake bookie. So uh, Jason starts off with, yo, what's going on? Chris says, still waiting, supposed to be any day, frustrated, referring to when he gets the money to pay him. Then Jason says, all right, we really got to get start getting something going here ASAP, let me know. Chris says, I will. Jason says, what's the deal, my man, six days later, after no further response? And uh, then Chris said, making a call as we speak. I may have to start working on it myself, which will take a while since I have no disposable income my wife doesn't know about. This is Chris Moneymaker writing. He he has no disposable income his wife doesn't know about. So apparently the, the sports betting here is behind his wife's back. You will get paid 100%. Stars comes back in the U.S. Things get a lot easier. Think it will happen soon. However, can't tell anyone. Been dicked over by three people that owe me and one guy supposedly staking me. All four said they had 50 to 60k for me and haven't gotten a pip from any of them. Uh, And then a few days more pass, and Chris writes this. Jason, first off, I don't think I ever apologized to you, so I want to do that right away. As I told you, I had a very bad month in May, this is May 2012, and put myself in a very bad position owing someone money. You have been more than kind and understanding, which I appreciate. By the way, this is all before he realized he was being free-rolled. I had promises from four people that would have helped me get out of the situation that I've made. Everyone fell through, and I'm starting from the ground floor. Can you imagine from Chris Moneymaker, the main event winner from 2003, the guy who's been making so much from poker stars, from uh, being a uh, face of the site, especially at the beginning? I don't know how much he makes now, but I heard he was making a million dollars a year at one point. I'm going to pursue a backer and attempt to work a deal to get you paid in full. This may take a week or months, I'm not sure. But want you to know getting paid is a priority of mine. I do feel very bad about the situation I got myself into and hopefully can get it rectified and somehow 
help you in other ways in the future to show my gratitude of your understanding. So then no response from Chris. Uh, Jason sent a few texts over the next few weeks. No response from him. Uh, finally he said on August 20th, a few weeks later, I really need a response from you. Then Chris did something I don't believe. Lost my phone for last week and, and a half while in Colombia. <laughs> I wonder what he was doing in Colombia, of all places. I am working on it still. There are certain things I can do and can't. I can get you paid in full. I can't make small payments every week slash month, which is weird. Wouldn't it be the opposite? Wouldn't it make sense to say, I can't pay you all in full, but I can make small payments? Here's the opposite. I can get you paid in full, but I can't do it small payments every week or month. I want you paid as bad as you want to be paid. Put this sports mess behind me. So then... Jason says, I need to know when to expect something, though. You have me in a real bad spot. And by the way, I agree listening to these. It sounds like Jason's totally in the right until you realize that Jason was free-rolling him and making up a fake bookie. Then it changes everything. So Chris says, not on purpose, I promise. Never been in this spot. I have talked with a lot of people who owe me or I thought I could borrow from and no help. The last week sucked since I had no phone or internet. Hopefully we'll know something soon. So then eight days later, nothing's been heard further. So he's saying Chris needs to know what's going on. Kind of disrespectful to owe someone 20k for months and not even respond to texts. So a few days later, Chris responds, not trying to be disrespectful. I'm going to respond to you on Monday. No point in giving you anything I don't know. Never been in this spot before. I'm trying to find a backer who thinks this is a stake and not a loan. Which is kind of weird. Because a backer backing him to be into tournaments, um, that would always be a stake. How would it be a loan? Like, if a backer puts him at a tournament and stakes him, um, the backer could just be there and collect the money when he wins, regardless of Chris's situation. So, it's kind of a weird thing to say. Have perfect rep as haven't dicked over anyone in my life and still can't get anything. And not going to start dicking anyone over with you. I'm going to pay you like I said I would. When I have more info on Monday or Tuesday, I will text you. So, he also then said, "I'm, I'm not running, I have nothing to run from. I made the bets, I pay them, I got scammed, cheated, and audited in the span of a year, which ultimately ripped me a new asshole. So Chris Moneymaker's claiming that within the past year, we're now two years ago, you know, the past year from September 2012, he got scammed, cheated, and audited. So the IRS probably audited him. Wow. The scammed and cheated, I know Peter Falcone was one of the people who cheated Chris. Jason, too. However, I am rebuilding taking longer than I hoped and was hoping to get some money from the six figures I am owed, but no one has anything. None of that's your issue. I'll make good on my debts. And, uh, let me, uh, so, so here is, uh, here, here's another interesting part. I'm skipping around here a little bit. It's, it's kind of repetitive. Uh, I have two guys that owe with stars money. This is on September 14, 2012. I just held one cash out so he could send me a dime, referring to $10,000. The other says he is struggling. I'm negotiating with poker stars to get some of my online budget reactivated for moving out of the country. So I guess he has an online budget on poker stars, but he can't use it because uh, he's in the U.S., so he's saying he's trying to negotiate with them to give him an online budget again uh, so he can move out of the country. If when you see me move to Canada, all this mess will end. At that point... Uh, will have T dollars and a hidden account I can actually have money again, which is interesting. It's claiming that he'll have a hidden account, that uh, he'll be playing on an account people don't know about on PokerStars if he does move to Canada. 
He won't be playing on Chris Moneymaker or Money 800, whatever. Right now, I can actually have money again. Uh, right, no, right now, I'm on lockdown until I get a backer, repaid by people, or hit a lick in a tournament. Playing every tourney I can as I'm free-rolled into them. I think he means by stars. That stars free-rolls into the tournaments. Had an awesome deal for backers, but saw every, everyone saw it as a loan and not a staking deal. Guess I should not have been honest of what I was going to do with the money. Wow. So, you know, obviously Chris is not uh, all that honest here anymore. I have exhausted options on backers. They all think it's a loan and not a staking deal. I'm playing every event I can as I'm backed, and I will send when I cash. Also, I'm in the process of selling a 10-year anniversary memorabilia piece using the final table felt and can pay you off once those are made. So I guess he has a piece of the final table felt, or maybe the whole felt, when he won that main event in 2003. And he's trying to sell it. He's trying to sell the the felt from his win to pay off his gambling debts. Isn't that kind of sad? Like, you win this historical tournament in 2003 that sets off the whole poker boom and they give you the poker felt and then you have to sell it to pay off your gambling debts 10 years later so it's a 10 year anniversary memorabilia piece he's trying to sell that was before the 10 year anniversary that was in 2012 Uh, wasn't my intention to have everything in the world I think he was going to write something like crash down on me but that's all that Jason showed so you listen to these, and obviously this is a picture of a desperate man, Chris Moneymaker, and obviously this is a picture of somebody who was free-rolling and was making bets with money he didn't have, but he didn't realize that Jason was doing it too. Reminds me, I know I've told this story before on this show, uh, when I was five years old with my mom in the car and we passed by a hitchhiker, and I said, what's that? Who's this guy with his thumb up? What is he doing that? My mom said, that's a hitchhiker. What he's trying to do is he's trying to get you to give him a ride somewhere. So I said, oh, why don't you pick him up? And then my mom said, oh, no, 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 you don't ever do that. Uh, a lot of these hitchhikers are really bad people. And uh, if, if you pick up a hitchhiker, uh, he could pull a gun on you. He could beat you up and take your money. You, you don't ever pick up a hitchhiker. It's not safe. I said, oh, okay. And then she said, also, you should never be a hitchhiker. Because if, if you are a hitchhiker, someone could pick you up and they could have a gun. Or they could beat you up and take your money. So I said, oh. Well, that's, that's that's pretty bad too. So then I asked my mom, as a five-year-old, I said, "So what if a driver who wants to do something bad picks up a hitchhiker who wants to do something bad? Then what happens?" And, and that's that's pretty much what happened here. We have Chris Moneymaker, who's broke, is thinking, "Hey, I'm going to bet money I don't have. Ha, this Jason Young sucker will do it." And Jason Young is saying, "Huh, I got world champion Chris Moneymaker betting with me. He doesn't realize I'm broke, and he doesn't realize he's betting with a bookie that doesn't exist." They're they're both kind of laughing at one another as they're doing this and don't realize that no one's going to get paid no matter what. So this whole bet should just be null and void. I mean, it was two guys scamming each other. The whole thing is gone. The only other thing I want to throw in before we put on Josie is that last I heard, I'm actually being used as a go-between for Jason to pay a 2K debt that he has to someone else going back like a year and a half also. So some guy he's owed like 2k for a long time. Jason claims it's because he forgot about the debt or whatever, but since the, they're having problems with payment methods, I said, "Hey, I'll volunteer." So just Jason, you ship the money to me, even if you don't even even if you don't like me. Ship the money to me and I'll ship it to this guy however he wants it. So I'm now the middleman for that. Because honestly, I just want to see people get paid. Like really. Like you, you know, if someone owes you money, 
and then they're claiming that you don't have the right banks or whatever. And you know, if I can be of assistance for someone to send me money and then I'll send you money, I'll probably do it. Unless there's something like shady going on here. Like I'm not going to be a middleman for a drug transaction or something. But you know, if, if it's like a long time debt and someone's stalling because they claim they can't pay you because of some problem on your end, I'll actually volunteer. I like to see people get paid. I don't like to see people get scammed. Even if I get nothing out of it, I just enjoy seeing people get paid. I enjoy seeing uh, wrongs be righted. And if I can be a little bit of help, then I'll do it. Anyway, uh, we're going to put on Josie now. This is a crazy story. Just uh, blew up the forum. I usually check Poker Fraud Alerts forum pretty often. Even if I can't post, I check it from my phone or whatever. So no matter where I am or how busy I am, I, I try to just check into the forum and see if there's anything worth reading. And it's, it's it's not a super active forum. It's not like 2 plus 2 where I can easily, uh, you know, where it's hard to keep up with everything. Here I can I can spend a little bit of time and keep up on the forum. So I try to do that every day. Once in a while I don't. So earlier this week, for no good reason, I wasn't reading my forum the whole day. And I turn it on the next day, and I see a thread that's already like seven pages. And I can't believe it. The thread is called Vicodin Tom Kenslick, you, fu- you deadbeat fuck loser, and, uh, and then the N-bomb. And this is from Josie the Pussycat, who is, as I just said, the ex-girlfriend and, and still longtime friend of Tom, a.k.a. Bad Guy 23 This is how the post goes. This was posted on November 1st at 11.22pm. And keep in mind, she's in Pennsylvania, so this is actually posted at uh, 2.30 in the morning over there. Tom, referring to bad guy, did you really steal my my bottle of Vicodin? Are you now a loser and a junkie? Who the fuck steals pills from a person who allows your broke ass to stay in their home? You have hit an all-time low. I guess I need to call the police who have a warrant for your deadbeat ass and give them the, that fat uh, nigger lover's address so they can pick you up and a large nigger can fuck you in prison. If you were better looking, it would definitely happen, but even as you are, flaccid dicked and all, I'm sure one of those illiterate niggers will nail you. This is from Josie. These are not my words, by the way. Uh, you have sickened my now to the... You have sickened... She meant to say sickened me. You've now sickened me to the point that I would eat pussy before I would allow you to lick my asshole again. <laughs> so she's claiming that he licked her asshole at one point, but now she's so sickened by him that uh, she'd rather lick pussy than do that. I am fucking repulsed right now. You have literally outdone yourself. If you all, if you needed a pain pill, you know I would have give you one. Don't ever steal from me, you nigger, broke, joker, fuck. Thank you, and good luck to you. I'm sure you are feeling no pain. Josie. And by the way, uh, despite the frequent use of the N-word, Tom here is actually white. So, we're going to call Josie, who's currently in our chat, and she's going to talk all about this. People have been uh, very curious about Bad Guy in general because of his frequent calls to the show and all the posturing he does. and Uh... People like this view into his personal life, especially one that's this scandalous, especially coming from someone that he actually brought to the site that he dated at one point and had been friends with him for a long time. Now, I admit that if he stayed with her out of the goodness of her heart, 
when he needed a place to stay, and she's and he stole Vicodin from her and ran off. That's uh, that's pretty bad. But I'm not going to tell the story. I don't know. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to call Josie. We're going to find out from the horse's mouth. Not to say she's a horse face, by the way. She's actually a very pretty girl. Uh, we're going to find out from Josie what's going on here. And if bad guy has been reading this, and if he's been contacting her behind the scenes. Hello. Josie. Hi, Jeff. Hello. So uh, welcome back to the Druff and Friend Show, Poker Fraud Alert Radio. People have been waiting eagerly for this segment, and uh, I'm glad to have you on here. I, I know the circumstances are kind of strange. Uh, so go go ahead. I know I just read your post, but go ahead and tell us in your own words what happened. Okay. Well, Tom had gotten into a fight. He got into a fight with the, the girl that he has the baby to, the big girl, and um, he punched her refrigerator, okay? And he broke it. I know it's broken. Okay, so he calls me having a meltdown, talking about, will you come pick me up? He was crying, and I was like, are you serious? I was like, what happened? And he was like, come on. He says, I'm going to kill this fat bitch. I was like, okay, whatever. So I know where she lives. He's like, I'll be down at the laundromat. The driver ever. <laughs> what? What it just seems funny. Like it just seems so appropriate to this story that you meet him at the laundromat too. I don't know why. It just it just seems like yeah, that or Denny's would be a good place to meet him for here. It's, go on, go on. So he, well, you know, he doesn't have a car, so he ran down the hill or a license, right? This, oh, Jeff, this is my cousin Jen. Jen. Hi, hi. Okay. Um. So he, he had to run down the hill because so he, that was just a hanger. He had to run down the hill to the fucking laundromat. So he's in there waiting for me. And he doesn't have a cell phone, of course, so he can't call me. So when I get there, he just had a big chew in his mouth, and he was standing in there alone, and he ran out. He shows me his hand, and it's like, it's all fucked up. I mean, one finger can't go straight. It's already bruised. And I'm wow. like, what the fuck happened? And he's like, Oh, uh, this, you know, this beach well came home all fucked up. And I was like, oh, yeah? And he's like, yeah, and she started yelling at me and all this shit. The story didn't add up like none of his stories do. But I was like, whatever. He's like, she's on drugs. She's truly on drugs. I'm like, all right. So he gets in the car. We get back to my house. And I have to tell you, this happens often. Like, when he fights with this pig, it, he, like, he... he when he fights with this pig, he usually, like, um, you know, he'll come to my house. So he stays at my house pretty often. So he comes there, and uh, he comes in, and he's like, well, you know, my hand's fucking broke. He's like, I know you got to be He's like, so can you give me a pain pill? He says, do you have any OCs? I'm like, what? Like, this man used to just take Excedrin, and now he's hopping straight to OCs. I was like, I have Vicodin. And he's like, all right. So... I give him a Vicodin, I take my sleeping meds, and I fucking go to bed. And he's, he's like, he's like, all right, I go to bed, I wake up, he's like, you got to take me to my grams. It's like 9 o'clock in the morning. So he bounces between his mother's, his grandmother's, and this fat chick house. So he's like, you got to take me to my grams right now, i got to get out of here. He acted like real dramatic stuff, so I'm like, okay. So I take him to his fucking grandma's. I come back. This was fucking two weeks ago. Just last, with the night it happened on the first, I got a little fucked up. Drive home, and I go into my cupboard. There's no fucking pills. 
and the whole bottle's gone. So typically, like when I steal pills, I leave the bottles. Oh, wait, so you like, steal pills? Only, you steal pills too sometimes? Oh yeah, like I mean, I, like I've done it. Well, who I do mean, you steal them like, from? Josh, that's irrelevant. <laughs> this isn't about me. Okay, okay, okay go on, go on, me. go on. So he, yes, I would leave some in the bottle. So then, like most people don't know how many pills they have, so I'd leave some in there. He takes the whole fucking bottle. So I come home with a pounding fucking headache, and I go to get my Vicodin out, and the whole bottle's gone. Just he is the only piece of shit that has been in my house besides my fucking cat. If it, it, I am the bitch for late mile. That's my Facebook. That's that's my Facebook cover photo. Friend me. So um. I get. I could not fucking believe he took the whole bottle. I started snapping the fuck out, and I I called I called Tammy. So I start snapping and I call her cell phone because there's no home phone, and she doesn't answer. I call it back like fifteen fucking times and she doesn't pick up. So I left a couple voicemails. Mm. Then I thought, well, how am I going to get this fat prick? And I was like, this needs to be exposed to the degenerate poker community. So what, did and you ever reach him? Ha- have you reached bad guy at this point? You know, not at this point. Mm-hmm. At any point, mm-hmm. have you reached him? No, it, I have not talked to him yet. His mother called me. I'm like, she calls and she says, Josie, you know, my son is so worked up. He's saying you're accusing him of stealing pills. He doesn't know what you're talking about. Meanwhile, every time this fat bastard's at my house, He's taking all my Ambien. He's telling me he needs Xanax because he has heart palpitations. So he's, his mother doesn't know about his, like, further, like, fall into the cesspool of iniquity that is his life. He is now popping pills, a drunk, and a degenerate gambler. Wow. So mm-hmm. now are you 100% sure? When was the last time you saw that bottle of pills prior to it disappearing? That night, I don't I don't take them like every day or whatever. It was like a week ago. It was like a week before that, like three, five, four nights before and that. And there's no way you misplaced them. For sure, he took them. Draft. I keep all my pills. There's a little sanctuary where the pills. A sanctuary. Are. And, and it, I keep it right there, and no other person has been inside my. Okay, house I mean, I believe you. He probably person. took them. I mean, knowing bad guy here, I mean, I'm sure he took them. But uh, so, so you're saying that if he was going to steal pills from you, the least he could have done is had the good, uh, the courtesy to just steal maybe half of them and leave the bottle. But well, and it's not even like the cur. It's just drop. If you take the whole bottle, the person knows you stole. Well, that's what I'm saying here. You're, so you're saying he wasn't just right. he wasn't providing very good cover for himself. Right. He so he's a dumb thief. Like, if you're going to steal pills, you have to get with the program. We leave some behind because then you can't, like, who's to say if you had 15 or, or nine bikes? No one really knows. Yeah, you know, well, okay, I, couple. I, what I want to offer here, just like I was saying before this segment, since I will always uh, escrow for, to allow people to pay money they owe, if a if, uh, bad guy wants to send me his Vicodin, I'll send them to you. I'll be the middleman here. You will, and you'll send them on, or you'll probably skim some off the top. No, 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 no. Let me let me tell you about this. The, I hardly ever take Vicodin. The only time I ever take Vicodin uh, is when I have a tension headache that's so bad that Excedrin won't do it for it, which is about like once every six months, and I take one pill, and that's usually it. So I, I probably take about I don't know, two, three Vicodins a year, 
And I'm actually very careful not to do more than that because I, I don't want to get myself addicted. Well, then why don't you – do you say you have excess in your script? You should uh, oh, I, I shouldn't have mentioned that. <laughs> Jeff, I'm going to be in Vegas in March. Oh, I want to no. meet you, and I would like to – And I, I, if you have any Vicodin there, we could talk about it. it. It's so funny because before this segment, I thought, you know, I better not mention that I have Vicodins. And, and I mentioned I have Vicodins. Like, why am I so stupid? Why Why do I say this? I should have said nothing well, about Jeff, it. Well, Jeff, I'll shake you down. I'll get into your room, and I'll just skim a, to- a couple of pop, and you would never know. <laughs> there's like a fucking, there's like a, a harvest. Jeez, yeah, that's. A, I'm gonna find my rooms broken into. I'm gonna find nothing stolen. I'm gonna see like stacks of cash in my room are still there, but my, my Vicodin but, will be gone. Yes, the Vicodin will be gone. But I'll like, I'll leave like a lipstick mark on your mirror, and you'll know it was me. Stop. <laughs> will you meet me when I come to Vegas in March? Well, I, I think I'm a lot of people here. I, I think a lot of people want to meet you when you come. But you know, I, I, I wonder if some of this is a bluff because you came to Vegas in September. And, uh, hey, Jeff, don't even go there. I tried to meet you. No, I you you, you mentioned nothing about the fact that you were coming. You, you just showed up there. Uh, now, it was the date you said showed up, but you didn't say, hey, I'm coming or anything. You just you just went, and then I saw on your Facebook that you were there. But uh, now I wasn't in Vegas at the time anyway. But uh, You were in Reno. Jeff, I tried to meet you. you. Do you remember? I wasn't in Reno. I haven't been in Reno for years. Was he in Reno? Where no. was he? Wait, this girl knows where I was? This is Jen. This is my cousin. She was with me there, remember? Okay. I now, talked wh- to you when I was there. But why would she know where I was? Because we were talking to you. Me okay. and you were messaging. Well, I haven't been in Reno in years, so it definitely wasn't Reno. We were somewhere. Okay, I may have been somewhere else. But but anyway, I wasn't in Vegas then. That's true. But, uh, you know, when you come in March, uh, let us know, and I'm sure we can... Uh, uh, arrange for uh, you to meet uh, various people from the forum, myself included. How how many of do a lot of them live? And you know another thing I wanted to talk about. Jen, I'm fucking hearing that. Put that down. <laughs> Jen, Jen would like to talk to some of the. We're actually taking applications. Well, okay. Before before we get to this, I have another question related to bad guy. What? Okay, guys. He vanishes sometimes for weeks at a time. And he doesn't post, no, he, doesn't he doesn't call doesn't into the internet. show? Yeah, he doesn't have internet um, at his grandma's. So, so, so when he's, he's gone, that means uh, he's at his grandma's. That's where, uh, like, like this yeah. week, that's probably where he is. Yeah, like, when he has to go to his grandma's, there's no internet. Oh, and man. he doesn't have a cell phone, so he can't even, like, use that. Wow. So, so, he, so he has no he cell did... phone in the residential neighborhood. He just has a computer. <laughs> are, are these yeah. all in the same neighborhood in, in, in the residential area? The Tammy lives in the residential neighborhood, I think. Well, his, well, where is everybody in relation to one another? Like, how far are his mom and grandma and you and... Uh, mom and, and the, grandma. Okay, his mom and grandma, like, there's a circle, there's a big loop in, in this little area. And one's on the top street, one's on the bottom street. Like, they're, they're feet apart, like uh-huh. a couple hundred feet apart. Um, Tammy's residential neighborhood is a 10-minute drive from Tom's grams and mom. And... I'm probably closer. Uh, I'm probably closer to his mom, and okay. um, I'm a 15 minute drive from his mom. So, so it's all within the same area, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah. Okay, how old is his grandmother? She's got to be pretty old. He's like over 30 yeah. himself. Yeah. Um. She. She's. She's like not. She's like 90. 92. Gra- the grandma's awesome. She's like the. She's the best member. Wow. So is she like still lucid at 92? 
Oh, she'll motherfucker. She'll call you motherfucker, sucker, bastard. Wow, we should get her on here. Like we know about Immaculate, oh, his mom. Oh, she'd be good. She'd be good. You guys would love her. Does she have a funny name like Immaculate? Grandma Rosa. Rosa, that's, that's not funny. So, uh, <laughs> no, that's not Immaculate. It's a lot funnier than a Rosa. So, yeah, Immaculate. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, I was. It's just strange to hear about someone that's like relatively close to my age going to their grandma's because, like, I don't have any grandparents alive. I haven't had any grandparents alive for 15 years, and if they were alive, they'd all be like over 100 now, except for one who'd be near 100. So. Well, yeah, yeah. Grandma Rose is probably about 90. The thing is, if you were going to your grand's, you would be visiting her in your car. You wouldn't be getting driven there um, because you live there. That is his primary residence. Okay, well, uh, so what's going to happen from this point? Obviously, he's not going to be very happy. I'm sure he's, well, maybe he hasn't read the thread, but he will eventually when he gets to a place with the Internet. Obviously, he won't be happy about this. I'm actually surprised that he hasn't found a way to, to read the forum and seen this and then uh, called you up, like, screaming. I'm sure well, he's going to be. Well, I think that's, well, how else would he know I was accusing him if he didn't read it, that he had his mom call me going nuts? Yeah, well. So he he probably must have read somewhere. He, I mean, he maybe went up to McDonald's and you know connected. But like the thing is, like okay, so what's gonna happen from here? That's that's what I'm talking about. I was so fucked off when I came home and there were no fucking pills and I was Jones and. But like now, it's just truly, it's just such a nigger move. Like that you would take my fucking pills, like. I'd have given them to him. That's the fucked up thing. Like, if he was like, I mean, his hands legitimately broke, and I just take them to get fucked up. So, like, if he said, Josie, I really need these pills, I'd have given them to him. I hate that he stole the whole bottle. Like, he's trying to fucking clown me. Like, I'm retarded when I look in and I'm missing a bottle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's insulting. Don't fucking insult my intelligence. <laughs> it's insulting. Like you, it's you, fucking insulting. So you're saying you don't mind so much that he stole from you, it's that he stole from you and thought you were dumb enough not to realize it when he takes the whole bottle. <laughs> it's, no, it's, I'm pissed. I'm pissed that my pills are gone. I'm pissed that he tried to clown me. And I'm pissed that he, that, that he hasn't even called me directly to address the fact that he stole. And what's he going to say? Like, I, I don't know what, he, what he's going to say about this. He also took, you know what, my cousin gave me, okay, my, my cousin gave me a, a Viagra to use, like, at my discretion. What? And, like, Wait, how would you use no, Viagra? Not, Do you have a penis I don't know me. about? Yes, Jeff, yes. Not me. Like, in the event that I needed to medicate one of my candidates. She gave me <laughs> One of your candidates? Yeah. And so I had it in there, and he was, like, rifling through. He took the Viagra. He took the white pill that was next to it that I don't even know what it was. I was going to, like, Wikipedia it. He took my whole bottle of Vikes and then took all the silver change out of my fucking coin jar. <laughs> he in the took fucking the silver system. change? All the silver change He even took the nickels? What about, what about the pennies? Did they stay there? No, the pennies, there's a, it's all pennies. Like, I guess he's above using pennies. That's the fucked up thing. Like, when he buys two, if he does buy it, he'll give you, a, like, a pile of quarters. And you have to go in the store with it. Well, I yeah, had to this, buy the bottle of let me tell you, this week. this all circles back to the laundromat. That's why he's taking all the change. <laughs> he's like all of it. Yeah, I guess all of his pickups are at the laundromat. The fucked up thing is, like he's he's like stole piggy, but like he'll take like the kids' piggy banks and shit. Like the nieces and nephews, he'll rifle piggy banks. 
he's a big chain stealer. The fucked up thing is, I I just don't understand why he took it all and then like tried to dart. He's taken my credit card before, but that really that doesn't get me as worked up. Go ahead, Jennifer. You can comment. So, you know, that's I just don't. I feel like you know you've been stealing change for a long time. You took the pills. It's just it's. I work hard for those coins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Insulated pipes, yeah. Okay, Jeff, I'm just, I'm, I'm seriously worked up. I would like him to call and apologize and explain himself. You know what I mean? And also, I would like my pills replaced. Well, I, I don't know if he's going to apologize at this point after it's been uh, brought to Poker Fraud Alert and now uh, everybody got to laugh at this. I think uh, he's going to be... Expose- if you have to expose people, Drew, you have to expose them for the people they are, and then you address it publicly. So now I'm not like, understanding I, this here. Um, you're saying he t- he takes uh, the silver change, uh, like you know, yeah. with nickels and and dimes and quarters. But then he's oh, claiming he bets a lot of money on, on sports. So is that a lie too, or does he really bet so much on sports where he really doesn't have a dollar to his name and has to steal change? Well, that's what like. When he has money, yeah, he'll have a couple thousand because he, what happens is he'll fill somebody's credit card, open up a, a gambling like account or whatever till like he gets shut off for fraud or some, you know, being yeah. exposed for being an idiot. Well, well like what, when he says he bet five dimes on the game, does he really mean he bet 5,000 or does he mean 50 cents? <laughs> no, when he bets, when he's betting with other people's money. Like, how would you bet if you were betting with my money? Like, he, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a baller when he gets the credit card. I see. So, so if he's rolling the book somehow, or somehow can uh, get a credit card to uh, make the deposits, then he'll make big bets. But he really does. See, and that's just it. So, Tom either has like a thousand dollars in his pocket, or he can't even buy himself a can of chew. That's how it is. It's one or the other. He can't function. That's why he has to live with people because you can't. You know, that's actually similar to Ken Scaler. Ken Scaler's like that too. Where not that he ever has a lot of money, but Ken Scaler, um, he really does go between like having hundreds of dollars in his pocket to like. Not having enough to buy like a ninety-nine cent burger, and that's and that's exactly how Tom is. He, he's always been like that. Like he's he's never had a job. Never. Well, he had one, and he got fired for for calling sex lines, <laughs> and um, and it 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 was in a trailer. Uh, it was in a trailer. Like he like did the he was in a trailer, and he answered the phone for some company or something, and uh, he would call. You know those gambling hotlines, like 900 numbers back when, in, like, the 90s. Like, yeah, and they yeah, would yeah. give you picks. So he would call sex lines and them from the trailer, and he got fired from the company for doing that. And when they fucking addressed it, he tried to, like, pin it on other people. Meanwhile, like, these are all, like, grown-up men. Like, who who's going to sit in the trailer and make 900 calls except him? And he's well, there all day. Okay, so so the question is here: uh, How do you know these things? Like, did he actually come and tell you, "Hey, I was making nine hundred calls and uh, blame it on other people"? Well, like, that's when we were dating. We dated for eleven years when we were young, and so I met him. I started dating him when I was seventeen. Hmm. No, he didn't blame it on me. He blamed it on uh, uh, Michelle's dad. So, wow, Michelle. Yeah, we, hmm. <laughs> that's something else. But um, like. He, yeah, we started dating when we were 17. So that happened when I was dating him. And when he got fucking fired, I went nuts. And that's when we went to Niagara Falls. That's when he chucked the... Did we ever tell you about the time we went up to Niagara Falls and somebody asked to draw a picture of me and he chucked the guy's easels 
of a ledge, and he got arrested by the police on horse. Wait, wait, wait what, what happened? I, I missed that. He he threw what? We were walking along the walkway in Niagara Falls, and you know those people who draw like pictures, characters, and shit. He's like, he's like, ah, he says, oh, your girlfriend. He like had an accent. She's like, he's like, oh, your girlfriend's so pretty, pretty. I draw her picture, blah blah. blah. And Tom's like, fuck you, motherfucker. He started going fucking wild. And he had a chew in his mouth, fucking went crazy, and chucked the dude's easel over oh, the Oh, he threw falls. an easel over the, over Niagara Falls. Wow. He chucked the fucking easel over the falls, and the police on horseback came and got him. He got arrested. I was only, like, 19. We went up there so we could drink. I was only fucking, So I couldn't bail him. I didn't have any money, and his mom had to wire me money to bail him out. He was in fucking Canada. He's probably, he's probably banned from there. He never even went back for his hearing. You know what? Tom, you want to still bike it in? If anybody is from Canada, call the government and tell them we know where he lives. Well, I, I don't think uh, Canada is going to come get him for chucking an easel over the uh, Niagara Falls uh, all the way to uh, Pittsburgh. I don't think the, I don't think there's an extradition agreement between uh, Canada and Pennsylvania for uh, easel chucking. That's a, that's a felony. <laughs> Easel checking is a felony. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so what do you need the Vicodin for? Like, uh, you said that you were jonesing for it. Are you are you now addicted to the pills yourself? Ge- general pain, just general oh, pain. No. I I get I have assault charges. I was assaulted. I I had a I had a bump on my head. I, I just needed the fucking Vicodin drop. When I, sometimes you just need. Why do you have them drop? In all seriousness, though, do you have, like, extra Vicodin? Like, yes, I have there, extra Vicodin, right. but I have them for a reason. The reason I have them is because I actually use them right in that I agree that sometimes you need something with an extra punch when you've got a pain <laughs> right. that won't go away. Yeah. But, but hold on, but I don't abuse them. I, I reserve them for these rare times when one of these headaches will not be taken care of by the Excedrin, and then I've got something more powerful, but... I don't ever come home and just say, you know what, I need a Vicodin. Never. Like, I, I only take them once every few months, sometimes right. even like once every six months, well, from when I have a, such a terrible headache I can't get rid of it. And so, like, I, if everybody used them this way, it probably wouldn't even be a controlled substance. But it is because they get abused so much and people take them for fun. And then and then you get really addicted and a whole mess happens from there. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, I'm very similar to you. But the thing is, yours are going to expire. And I don't want them, you know what I mean, I don't want them. Well, yeah, some of them are expired, yes. Okay, just send those to me. (laughs) I thought you don't want them if they're expired. Well, but I'm like a lockbox. I'm like a human lockbox. I'm like a human lockbox. Like, you know how you can, like, take them to the store and deposit them, like, if they're expired? Just deposit them in me. You know what I mean? I'll be like a Pez dispenser. I'll shoot them out. So someone in the chat's asking... If you believe his story about that girl's suicide, that the, it was really a suicide and that he had nothing to do with it. Okay. Chris, I actually, he called me that night. Um, this girl, this is a girl he dated. He and I got back together after this. This was, this was about like six years ago, right? Five, five, six years ago? I don't remember. But um, it, it was... It was it was a while ago. But he and I got back together. This is the last time we dated right after that girl lost herself. He called me that that night, and uh, like I went over his house, like I so uh, his grand's house or his his mom's. I went over his mom's that night. He was really fucked up. He was really shook up. And I mean, truth be like, when when you're there, he called nine one one and shit. 
So like they 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 like tested his hands and stuff. No, I don't think he had. And I know for a fact he wouldn't kill somebody. Well, either. I didn't think like, so either. I, I thought his story was was legitimate there for once. Yeah, no, he told what he told is true. I mean, the kid he was fucked up about that. He felt real bad about all that. Yeah. So, well, but, uh, it's still a dick. But I mean, like he's that he did feel bad about about that. He felt bad for that girl. Yeah, well, that sounds it sounds like a tough situation there. So, so now, a lot of people in the, in the chat and on the forum they they don't know you that well. Now, you actually have like a real job, a real regular nine to five job, right? You don't have to say what it is if you don't want to, but uh... yeah, it's, yeah, it's like just yeah, but it's just normal. I mean, you know what I do? It's yeah, just a normal job. But uh, yeah. some some people don't know that. Like some people picture that you're like the the female bad guy twenty three, but you're not. You're actually quite different from him. Yeah, like I went to college. I'm I'm actually like on paper I'm really normal. So you're you're like a good girl to take home to mother, stat wise at least. Like like the way you look and yeah, and, like on paper. Yeah, and on paper you say, oh, she way. she has a good job. She uh, she went to college. Uh, you know, she's I pretty. Went to like school. I went to college. I'm cute. Yeah, like. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, you bring her home to mom, and mom's like, "Oh wow, look, look, he's finally dating he a nice did. girl." Yeah, yeah. And then, then I, then like something falls, or I hurt myself, and I scream "fuck," and everybody knows that. No, I was thinking more like uh, you'll come over to mom's house, and mom will say, "Hmm, I thought I had ten Vicodins in this case. I, I only see five here now." <laughs> well, it must no, be my forgetfulness of my old age. Just junkie. The, you know, I, I see junkie. sheets. The guy, the guy who was on before you here. Uh, he was saying that he got ten Percocets from some uh, procedure he had a few months ago. Sheets, sheets, private message me, buddy. And he's saying he has ten left, and that maybe Josie wants them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Sheets, I was, I'm going to Google your pics. Is he like physically repulsive? Like, could I, would I be able to swing it? Sheets, I, I don't know. I, I, I see. Looks, yeah, he looks just like a the forty-something Jewish guy to me. That's what he looks like to me. Nice, nice sheets. I'm part Jew. Yeah. You know, I like like uh, like honestly, I have trouble judging like like how good looking guys are. I can tell like if a guy is hideous or if he's really good looking. Right. Kind of like, like in between, I'm I'm not very good at seeing like 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 how appealing he would be to the typical female. I'm just I'm like because like there's no part of me that's gay at all. So like I just I have such a hard time deducing like male sexual appeal. But uh, you know, she just looks like a normal guy, the, the normal Jewish guy in his forties to me. That's my okay. Is he single? No, that's that's that's. Ah, the, no, I know it's. I know, I know, I know. You're hoping that in March put you could show up there. And... Yeah, put, yeah. I was gonna invite you up. We could we could have parts by candlelight. Yeah, you know, if like, you look, I, at, if you want to look at this picture, you could enter uh, Eric Sheets Haber. That's H A B E R. Eric Sheets Haber. Yeah, he put it in the chat there. You can uh, just Google him and click images. You'll see a bunch of pictures of him. He has so. dark hair. Yeah. Like, and a Jew nose. Yeah, right. he does have a Jew nose for sure. Okay. I, I like to think that I don't have a Jew nose. I know it's not small, but I don't think I quite have a Jew nose. I think it's kind of like Mm-mm. a like a medium sized nose. No, you're not bad looking at all, Jeff. I think you're kind of cute. Oh, no, thank you. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right. So, so anyway, uh, I, th- I think you're just saying that to me, by the way, because you want uh, my Vicodin I talked about, but. Well, yeah, that that has something to do with it. Yeah, you're not gonna say, "Hey, Druff, I think you're hideous." And by the way, where's your Vicodin? Like, you're not gonna say that to me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I won't call you a nigger fuck and expose yourself. <laughs> Jen's so, looking at your pictures right now. Isn't he cute? So, so anyway, uh, so where do you think it's gonna go from here? Once, once uh, he finds out, once bad guy finds out that you've been on this show and you've, you've aired all this dirty laundry of his, because I know he was worried 
when he brought you on the site and on the show that it might backfire on him one day. He told me this is that I'm worried Josie's going to come on here and say shit about me, and I said, no, nah, I don't think she's going to do that. But now it's actually happened. It's, now, now you have a okay. good reason for oh, it, but no. but still, no. Hold on, I mean, this is this is this is how this works. First of all, I don't like I don't tell his dirty. Like, he told you about a girl offing herself in front of you. He tells his own dirty laundry, and him just talking about his wife should be embarrassing. He shouldn't worry about anything I say. Okay, that's the first. Well, that, that, I never understood that. That's true because like I brought that up to him myself. I'm like, you say so much about yourself on here. Like, why do you worry so much about what she's going to say? You're, you're not exactly living a a private life here, even though he doesn't tell us all the details. Like, I I didn't know where he was when he would vanish for weeks, but yeah. uh, you know, you filled in the blank that it's his grandmother's, but it doesn't really matter. I knew he was staying with someone probably and probably didn't have access. I mean, that was my guess too. So yeah. Anyway, uh. So are you really coming yeah, to Vegas in March? Yeah, uh, Jennifer, when are we coming? 15th to the, what? 15th to the 20-something, where they're like four or five days. Hmm. Six days. Yeah, so it's like, a, it's a, like a Wednesday to a Monday for Jennifer's birthday, because we went for my birthday in September and her birthday is in March. I so see. we'll come up for Jen's birthday. Are you, you'll be there, because it's March Madness, right? I don't necessarily come for March Madness. I, I might be there, you never know. You have to come. I'm coming, and this is ample notice. <laughs> okay. Bring your extra bikes. Bring all the expired. Everybody, guys, if you guys are going to be in Vegas, we could do like a meet and greet at a buffet. You know what I mean? I'll get like grazed up like a pig, and we will do like a bike exchange. You can It'll be like a Vicodin buffet. You, like you go to the buffet, yeah. and there's the there's the yeah. ribs, there's the pizza, there's the uh, there's yeah. the salad bar, and then there's a, like a little bowl there with just like uh, 500 Vicodins in them. Yeah, and Fluffer can rub olive oil on my ass. It'll be great. It'll be Jen's birthday party. We'll give her a Vicodin cake. <laughs> like, I think I, I think we should do a meet and greet, like me and you, and then we should do like we should do a book signing. You know what I mean? We'll have Bubbles and Monkey Man. You know what? I was thinking about this. I was thinking about like who are these people? Like how do, do you know who these real people are? Like, am I the only one who has the balls to put my real face on? Well, I, I've met some of them. In fact, Mango, uh, one, two, three. like like every summer, a few more people come up to me that happen to be in Vegas, but either they're living there or they uh, uh, they're visiting for the World Series of Poker, and they come up to me and they say, "Hey, I'm such and such." And sometimes I know who they are. Sometimes I don't because they're just more of like a lurker type. But uh, I, I meet a few of them every year, and I always tell people come up to me and. You know, if you see me and say hello, if you listen to this show or lurk on the forum, uh, some of them I, I've never met and never will meet. People are from all over the country and all over the world, and a lot of them don't post their pictures. Some do. Uh, it's just it's a big mixture. I will say that the age range here is actually older than I would have thought at first. Like I used to think that being 41 which I am right now, that, that I would be one of the older ones. But I'm, I'm kind of like average as far as like the ages of people on this site, I'm probably around average. We don't have many like really old people, but we also don't have that many really young people. It's mostly like 30s and 40s here for the most part. Okay, what's like like Rolo and BTK? Like, what do you know them? I I, I haven't I haven't met uh, Rolo. Uh, who's who's uh, BTK? Vine uh, Torture Hill. No, no, but who, one, I, no. But who do you I refer to as? Boy, but I know who that is. But like, who is that on the forum to you? What about? I don't. I forget his real name. Okay. Um, what? What? Uh, what about like? Well, who was the one with the eyebrows? Like his name was Ryback or Reber? 
Oh, Ryback. No, there's two different people. Eric Ryland is the one with the eyebrows, but Ryback Feed Me More is probably who you're thinking of. And I, I don't, I don't really know who he is. And uh, Rolo is is a guy that is in his 40s, and he's from Florida. And uh, I've never met him. Are they like the? Are they like all degenerate games? Like, are they all like Tom? Like, or some of them have their own houses? Like, what? Like, it's a, it's again, it's a, it's a mixture. And and. I don't ask everyone to give me their life story when they come here. It's a mixture. There's some people on the site who are very successful, who uh, you know are just here for, for kicks. There's some people who are degenerate gamblers, some people who are broke, some people who are just recreational poker players that otherwise have a very normal life and just like following the community. There's even people who listen to the show just because they, they like hearing about all these degenerate exploits because they don't... They're, you know they're in some city where this doesn't really happen for the most part, and they have like a normal family life, and they just like hearing about this type of stuff uh, because it's so different than what they're used to. There's a lot of different reasons people listen to the show or read the forum, and there, there's no way to describe everyone. Mm. Okay, like, all right. So I just was wondering, like, if they were all degenerates. You can kind of tell like the ones that are fucked up, like truly fucked up, like BTKs, not illiterate. He's oh, oh, oh you're job. referring to a, a, a BCR, Buster Costa Rica. No, he's definitely not illiterate. He's actually a very smart guy. I don't know much about yeah. him. He's he's very mysterious. I know he's around my age, like a little bit older. Um, very mysterious. I, I, no one knows what he looks like. No one's ever met him. But uh, he is a very smart guy, and he makes very good posts, and that's that's really all I know about him. So. Fast drop what? Jeff. Just do the top ten with her. Do it. What's that mean? I don't know what. To, I'm not David Letterman. I can't do a top ten. Like what top ten is she talking about? Uh, now even you don't know. Okay, I don't know what to talk. Just do the top ten. Explain what it is. Ruff, you know what the fuck it is. It I, I don't know what top ten you're talking about. Top ten what? Uh, uh. My friend is not an amputee. Wait, they think you're an amputee. They think I'm an I'm an amputee. <laughs> no, they they think Jennifer's an amputee. Oh well, she's actually very pretty. She's my cousin. I was going to say, why do they think I'm an amputee? I'm like I'm like the guy who meets everyone. I, it's very easy to find where I am or what I look like. So, right, uh, just I would like to be friends. Draw. Listen, I want you to tell me. I, I'm sick. I, I want to know sheets. I'm going to. Oh, I'm learning how to play poker. I'm learning how to play poker on Friday night. I'm going to my friend's house. I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to play poker when Uh-oh. I get to Vegas. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to penetrate your world. Uh oh, penetrate. Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of people want to penetrate your world in the, on this forum. But <laughs> I, I think that's the reason they all wanted you on the segment here. So do they want do they want so they want photos of Jennifer? They they probably do. Yeah, they probably want I photos of, of you and her. Is my guess. Okay, I'll I'll post some photos. Yeah, of Jennifer. go ahead. I mean, it's uh, the forum oh, was no, was oh, kind of slow prior to this, so you did uh, Josh, you did make kind of a splash here. Josh, I her photos are on my Facebook. She was in uh, Vegas with me. She's the one with the long blonde hair. Okay, well, I can try to find them. Okay. So. Um, Okay, are you coming? Are you coming to me? Like now that I'm giving, no, I'm not. You the co- I'm not coming to Pittsburgh. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, if, yeah, if you, I wouldn't come here either. You'll come to Vegas. If if you're in Vegas in March, you know, I'll see if I'm there. Then uh, then then we'll meet up. Okay, we we should do a live broadcast. Oh oh, can we do that? 
can I come to wherever it is you sit for this and broadcast with you? Yeah. I'm in Vegas. Yeah. That would be perfect. I'm so excited. Can I meet your kid? Uh, yeah. He, you know, he probably wouldn't be there with me. Like, what, like when I'm at a hotel there. Sometimes he's with, with me, but but usually he's not there. Like sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. If he is, you can meet him. But uh, okay, um, I'm I'm thinking I'm real good with kids. I'm thinking it's like we if we're in Vegas, we have the kid. I'll put him in one of those like front carrier things, and we can walk around. Well, I think it'll hurt your back. He's uh, he's three years old now. So I don't think you want to oh, put him in a front carrier. But but you I'm know, a big girl. I but, can take it. But you know you know I, I thought it was a bad guy. Is twenty three's mother's or kid's mother that's a big girl. <laughs> not, not you. I'm just, no, no I'm, I'm actually not. I'm not big. She's, she's big. She actually, she's not bad looking, though. She is big. Yeah. Well, um, you know, if you did meet my son, I definitely wouldn't want uh, Vicodin's mention in front of him. No, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll do that exchange. Yeah, like, like we'll, we'll, we'll that exchange. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think the FBI is going to end up subpoenaing this show. And uh, they're going to arrest me for uh, arranging a mass drug deal in March. Like undercover FBI agents. In fact, let me tell you, the FBI has listened to previous radio shows I've done. Not this one on this side. Maybe they listen to this side too. But but there have been a few occasions. One of which the FBI contacted me directly. The other of which, no, I'm not kidding. The the other case where somebody who listened to the show and was actually a guest on the show told me that the FBI contacted them about. A matter that didn't have to do with me, but uh, they. I asked them, "How did the FBI find out you knew about this?" And they said, "The FBI told us we heard it on Donkdown Radio." <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I was never. I was never on Donkdown. I never listened. Well, to I know, but that that was my former site, and you know now I'm over here. Okay. But but the thing is, they listened to that show, or at least they. I don't think they actively listened, but I think they were like searching for things on the internet that had to do with a certain topic. And then would listen to the show to to find information about those topics. So you know maybe the FBI is listening one day, and uh, maybe between now and March that uh, they say, hmm, we know of a no. we know of an interstate yes. drug deal going down on March fifteenth, two thousand fourteen. We're going to be there. Well, let's let's start using code. You know what's, you know what's going to happen is uh, someone's going to show up. Like a bunch of poker fraudler people will meet on that date, and you'll be there. And there will be some guy, some middle aged guy, there who's going to claim he's BCR. And then it's going to really be the FBI. They're going to say, "Yeah, yeah, we are a three a three digit uh, a three letter acronym, but we're actually the FBI, not BCR." But that was our, that was our cover. BCR. We, we knew BCR would never show, so we're going to be BCR. That'd be like the perfect cover. Just just like say you're him. No, BCR said he could. Well, somebody says they could help me if I was dope sick. So the end of the year, they were only an hour away. Please private message me your coordinates, and we can talk about it. Jeez. Okay. Well. Uh, all right. We're gonna move on here to the. You know, these shows are taking so long these days. It was, it was five hours last week. The show, like five hours. Five 15, fucking hours. Five hours, fifteen minutes. Oh, we actually have BCR in the chat right now. Five hours, fifteen minutes. Last week, and at least I had a co-host, so it didn't hurt my voice as much to do. But this week, there's no co-host, and uh, I've only finished now two topics. If we count this one finished. And I have a number to okay. do here, so it's been, the show's been on about two hours. It started late, but uh, I would like to move on. But uh, you know, you're welcome to come on the show again uh, any other time, and and definitely post those pictures of uh, Jennifer and whoever else in the forum. And uh, um, well, you you, I'm not going to post your girlfriend because you already claimed the tall one. Don't say her name. <laughs> I haven't claimed anybody. 
right. So. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you, Josie. Goodbye. Bye. So that was the, the Josie segment here. 40 minutes of Josie. I hope you guys got enough. Some people were saying I should have her as the co-host. And, you know, I, I would have actually had her as a co-host, but she doesn't know anything about these poker topics. She, she doesn't follow these, these things. She can't, she can't tell us anything about Chris Moneymaker or, or about uh, lock poker or pure poker or... The uh, Ruth Parasol and B-Win Party I mean she knows nothing about these things And I don't expect her to So I have to have a co-host who can at least Discuss the topics we're talking about I actually had a friend once Offer to co-host this show Who Has nothing to do with poker And I said You know I I'm happy you're offering that to me But I, I have to turn it down just because you need to be knowledgeable about poker and the community and all that, and if you don't, you you really won't have much to add. The whole point of having a co-host is to be able to discuss these things with them. But I, I enjoyed the segment, Josie, and uh, I think a lot of people uh, got a lot of information out of that segment and a lot of entertainment as well. So, we'll see you in March, and we'll see the FBI in March as well. So, moving on to... Uh, Our next topic Pure poker Now this is a continuation again of last week Pure poker Hijacked Lock poker's old software Lock poker left the Revolution network very abruptly Last week and started Their own network They claimed that uh, Revolution Wasn't keeping their end of the bargain With a bunch of downtime and Revolution said Locke just owes everyone a bunch of money, including other network skins, and that's why they're you know, getting up and leaving now and trying to just leave all that behind and give the middle finger to all the other skins they owe money to. So, But anyway, Revolution was so angry at Locke for doing this, for owing all this money to all their skins and then up and leaving after laying waste to the network, that they hijacked the Lock Poker, the old Lock Poker software so if you ran the old lock poker software that you had on your computer, instead of downloading the new software on their new network, it would give you a message. And uh, let me read that message again for those of you that uh, didn't hear this last week or forgot it. Uh, this was uh, this is crazy. Let me read this thing here. Where is it? I should have had this prepared. Should have had this prepared, but I don't. I get to this and I'll read it. Apologies for the delay. I got too wrapped up in the Josie story. I'll have it in one moment. Here we go. Welcome lock players to Pure Poker. This is again on the lock poker software. Instead of downloading the new client, it says this. Due to Locke's ongoing financial issues, the poker service to Locke was terminated. We apologize for the inconvenience. Pure Poker is offering you a chance to redeem your Locke poker player balance immediately. Sign up here. Go here to learn how to redeem your balance and create a ticket and mention your account balance. Pure Poker has been operating with integrity for 14 years, catering to niche players globally. In addition to playing with the same proven software, we offer faster payouts and immediate access to a sportsbook. So it sounded like Locke hijacked their software, but said, hey, 
we've got your account here. We're going to pay you, so don't worry about it. Just move to us, and you can get your balance from us. Even though it was unlocked poker, we're taking it over. Well, last week on this show, I knew that they were two different entities. I knew Pure Poker was not the new lock poker. I knew that they were competing. I knew that uh, they had hijacked the skin. I knew all that. What I had thought erroneously was that Pure Poker, who was a, a skin of the Revolution Network, I figure was probably actually operated by the Revolution Network, which is what allowed them to do this. This is how they were able to do it, because uh, Revolution had access to do this, because they were the network, and once Locke was gone from there, they were able to take over their old software and put up this message. I said all that last week. I also said that uh, I, I thought they probably had all the account information, too, and that they had your balances there, and what they'd probably just be doing is give you a 100% rake back up to the amount you had on Locke. And I said that I was skeptical that maybe they won't be able to pay you, because if you have to rake whatever amount you have to cash it off the site, well, if that's what everybody's doing, nobody's going to deposit there. They'll just start with whatever they had on lock. Nobody will deposit, and they won't have any money to pay anyone. These were my conclusions last week, and while I stand by some of those conclusions, I have more clarity this week, and I'll explain exactly what's going on now, because this had just happened. Last week, this had happened that day. It happened a week ago today. So it had just happened. We were operating on very little information. Now, a week later, I know a lot more. In fact, a day later, I knew a lot more after doing some investigation myself. So here were some things that were red flags. And, of course, Lock Poker immediately came out and uh, and said that Pure Poker was full of shit and had access to nothing. And, uh, in fact, Lock Poker was claiming that Revolution was even denying they were running Pure Poker, that they were claiming it was a third party. So I decided I'm going to look into this. I'm going to find out who's behind this Pure Poker and figure out is this really a place you should be playing if you had money stuck on lock? And do they really have your account? And are they really going to give you 100% rake back? Well, the answer is no. But first, let's go over the most questionable claim they made, which was that they've been operating with integrity for 14 years, catering to, a niche, catering to niche players globally. Now, you go back 14 years, and we're in 1999. That's even before I started playing online poker, and I was one of the originals, kind of. Like, I was there really early, but 1999 is even earlier than me. There just was not very much online poker at all in 1999. It was mostly planet poker, paradise poker, and that was pretty much it. No party poker, no poker stars, no full tilt poker, none of that stuff. It was pretty much those two, and not even UB, even UB didn't exist. Pretty much those two and, and, and some like attempted poker fail sites that never went anywhere. So Pure Poker was claiming that they existed 14 years ago, which didn't make any sense because you would have heard of them. Like people heard of Planet Poker, people heard of Paradise. So I didn't know what to make of this last week when they made this claim, but I already thought that was dishonest of them because they obviously haven't been, quote, operating with integrity for 14 years. And furthermore, uh, no one had heard of Pure Poker at all. Forget 1999. In 2013, nobody had heard of them. So it means that they either didn't exist, or if they existed, they were so tiny and didn't have any customers that uh, you can pretty much say they didn't exist. So I did some research, and this is what I found. Indeed, in November 1999, there was a site called Pure Poker at purepoker.com. It was probably on its own network. It wasn't a skin of any other network. They didn't really have skins back then. 
And it was a really, really ugly web page. If you went there in November of 1999, and you can see the screenshot from 14 years ago, uh, if you go to the thread called Who is Pure Poker? Exactly Who You Think It Is, the thread on the Scam, Scandals, and Shadiness forum on PokerFraudAlert.com. So, you can see a screenshot from November 1999. A, it's a very ugly pink screen of Pure Poker. Ugly even by 1999 standards. Very unprofessional looking. It says, Pure Poker, a division of Dragon Cyber Club. Dragon Cyber Club? A division of Dragon Cyber Club? That sounds like something a 12-year-old would make up. Like a 12-year-old invents his own poker site and wants to make it seem like it's not just a 12-year-old running it. He puts, uh, we're a, a division of Dragon Cyber Club. Dragon Cyber Club. So, I don't know who was running this initially, but that's uh, they claim to be a division of Dragon Cyber Club, which you can't find any information about if you try to Google that. Uh, they say... Pure Poker, a new concept in online poker. We're the card room that lets you own a piece. Own a piece of the action today. So, supposedly you would play on Pure Poker. This is back in November 1999. And you would somehow get to win pieces of the site or earn pieces from playing enough on there. They actually had this concept again on a site called PokerShare years later. PokerShare is what it's called. The UB skin, but it didn't last long. But anyway, back to Pure Poker. It said on there, We have a non-stop, 24-hour-a-day action, and you can even chat with other players during the games. Isn't that exciting? You can actually chat with other players. Wow. You can enjoy the complete poker experience in the comfort of your own home and save thousands in travel, lodging, and gratuity expenses. So obviously, yeah, this is... 1999, when most people weren't playing online poker, so you know this type of language would be ridiculous today about save money on travel and uh, lodging to play poker online. But nobody was playing poker online back then, or very few people were. So it makes sense to say things like that, and you can even chat with other players. I mean, that stuff is excusable, but it looks like the site never caught on. No one ever heard of pure poker. And even in 2001, I started playing online poker in early 2001, like February. I had not heard anything about Pure Poker once existing. I'd only really heard of Paradise and Planet. And I think one other, which I forget now, but it wasn't Pure Poker. So it's safe to say this idea was just pretty much an idea. And it, while they claimed there was nonstop 24-hour-a-day action, I believe there's almost no action. And indeed, while a poker site is pretty much a license to print money, an online poker site, they, you know, it's illegal, but it makes a lot of money, even if it's uh, not all that active. Well... This one apparently never caught on at all because within 11 months it was gone. In October of 2000, Pure Poker went down. And for almost four years it did not resurface in any form. It was just completely down. So this thing we've been operating for 14 years. No, you haven't. For four years you did absolutely nothing. Well, in July of 2004 the domain was back, but it wasn't doing very much. It was a for sale message. PurePoker.com, this domain name is currently for sale. If you're interested in purchasing this domain, please complete the following form, blah, 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 blah. Uh, It was just a form to contact the webmaster you want to buy, purepoker.com. That's what you would get if you went to purepoker.com in July of 2004. Let's go forward six months. Nobody bought it. So, Pure Poker says, hmm, rather than be a poker room, let's now try to be an affiliate. An affiliate, of course, 
is a site that makes money by referring you to other poker sites. So you couldn't play poker anymore on purepoker.com, but you would click on other sites that you want to play on through them, and then they would get a piece of your action of the rake you'd pay from signing up through them. So this is in January 05. At Pure Poker, we've, corrected, we've created your one-stop poker shop for all the latest and greatest poker rooms, tournaments, directory information, and poker advice. You might say we bring you the net results from around the world of poker. We've spent countless hours searching the on-offline poker universe to bring you the most up-to-date and relevant information in order to re- increase your enjoyment of everything this great game has to offer. So, it's BS. All it was is pretty much a list of poker rooms that you can play on, and uh, they get some kind of bonus or a piece of your action if you click on it. They're Typical affiliate. Well, this business also did not work out. Nine months later, in October of 2005, it now said, temporary offline, temporarily offline. Unfortunately, our website is temporarily offline. We will be online again shortly. Thank you for your patience. So, goodbye affiliate program. Well, they're right, though. One month later, they did come back online. Now as a skin of the on-game network. The on-game network was like uh, pokerroom.com and many others. Uh, They still exist. Now, they were actually managed by FutureBet. We've talked about FutureBet before on this show. FutureBet ran a number of on-game skins and uh, stiffed everyone. So pretty much FutureBet was managing Pure Poker and various other skins and uh, ran off with all the money. And on-game did nothing about it. On-game never was honoring their obligations from their network. On, the on-game network always took the attitude of, well, you're on our network, but what you do with the money is up to you, so if you stiff everyone, we're not getting involved, which I always thought was crappy. Anyway, this FutureBet stiffed everyone, and FutureBet was managing Pure Poker, so anyone who had been playing on Pure Poker got stiffed. I don't blame Pure Poker for that, because they were being managed by a shady company, FutureBet, which, which seemed pretty legitimate at the time. So they just picked a bad company to manage them, and the, you know, that company ran off with the money. But according to John Mahaffey of uh, uspoker.com, which uh, you know, he writes a lot of good uh, news articles about poker at uspoker.com, John Mahaffey. Uh, he's also known as Poker Addict. Uh, he wrote the following about Pure Poker and what happened with them at FutureBet. In or around 2005, the Pure Poker brand partnered with FutureBet, which, which sub-licensed on-game skins. A long list of companies and players lost everything invested. Pure Poker was mentioned several times during this debacle. It entered into negotiations with players to repay funds that most speculated were stolen by FutureBet, not Pure Poker. Pure Poker was a number of sites licensed to operate on the on-game network by FutureBet, where everyone got stiffed. This includes the skin owners, which were not much more much more than glorified affiliates. This was common back in the day and similar to the, to the Tusk investment implosion on microgaming. In both cases, the networks claimed no responsibility for payments, as I just mentioned before. Pure Poker made attempts to pay players. Some got paid in full, while others agreed to accept an amount less than their balance to settle the claim. Most players on other skins never received a dime, so the fact that Pure Poker paid anything is important to note as it was likely to be directly out of the company's pocket. So, on the plus side, Pure Poker was managed by a very shady company named FutureBet that stole everyone's money. And instead of just saying, hey, look, FutureBet stole the money, not us, tough luck, they actually reached into their own pocket and paid people, which is very nice of them. I, I, you know, That was the right thing to do, and they did it, and very few of those skins did. And uh, 
I promise no sound effects this time. So I won't play any sound effects, but uh, this really would deserve the ESPN update sound effect. But I'm not going to play it. I'm going to keep to my promise. Ryan Reese is now your 2013 World Series of Poker main event champion. He has beaten Jay Farber, who's actually not even a pro player, Jay Farber. I think he's like a nightclub promoter. But anyway, he finished second to Ryan Reese. Even though I saw in the chat people were criticizing Reese for making a bad queen high call. I guess uh, he recovered from that and has won the World Series of Poker main event. So congratulations to him. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about the main event a little bit later. This was all going on during the show. If you're listening to the archives, you probably already know what happened. So, uh, after this debacle with FutureBet, uh, Pure Poker seems to have gone dormant in that they didn't take down their website, but they really weren't maintaining it. Uh, it still said you could play there on the on-game network, but it just... They didn't take it down, but it seemed to be dormant. And... Uh, it stayed that way through uh, 2009. In March 2010, there was a major website redesign, and Pure Poker became a Cake Network skin. In March 2010, the site looked almost identical to what it does today. If you go to purepoker.eu or purepoker.com, which forwards you there, you'll see a site that looks almost identical to what it did three and a half years ago in March 2010. Uh, they were a skin on the Cake Network, which is now the Revolution Network. So they haven't changed networks. They've been on the same network since then, since they left on game. Uh, really, no one heard much, though. Even though they were a skin since March 2010, no one seemed to be playing on them. It was just kind of a dormant skin. Uh, October 2013, Pure Poker, after years of irrelevance, suddenly hijacks Lock Poker's former software and promises a way to claim money stuck on Lock Poker. But who is Pure Poker? We still don't know that, do we? Well, actually, we do. Pure Poker, starting from 2010, both versions of the website say, operated by BTG Global NV, at the very bottom. Who is BTG Global? That's BTG Gaming, who is the operator of the Revolution Network, which says on their own website. And in case you think that maybe Revolution just operates Pure Poker, kind of like how FutureBet operated Pure Poker, but doesn't own it, take a look at the WHOIS records for purepoker.com. It shows that the organization that owns it is BTG Global, and that it was created, the domain purepoker.com was created in 2002, which matches the 2002 to 2013 copyright date on the current website. Now, you may say, wait, 2002? Well, how did the domain exist in 1999? I thought you had a screenshot from 99. Well, I do. I think they switched registrars. Uh, without going into too much technical detail, every website has to have a registrar that uh, basically says, uh, you know, keeps the record of who owns the domain and also where it points to what internet provider is currently running the domain. So, for example, PokerFraudAlert.com, uh, my registrar is GoDaddy. That's not a secret. And what GoDaddy does is they keep the records that I'm the owner, so no one can take it from me. And when you type in PokerFraudAlert.com, GoDaddy tells your internet provider to go over to 
Poker Fraud Alert's internet provider to access the site. It directs you to access the physical site from GoDaddy. So you need a registrar for every website. Uh, in 1999, there were a lot fewer options. Most of them were managed by a company called Network Solutions, which, by the way, was terrible. Uh, I have a feeling that they switched from Network Solutions or whatever to their current registrar, which uh, actually I'm not sure what it is. I haven't looked at that, but uh, they switched to that in 2002, which is why it says the record was created in 2002. It's also possible that they bought PurePoker.com in 2002 from whoever was running that Dragon Cyber Club crap, but I think it's all the same people because they claim they've existed for 14 years and if they really just created this in 2002, they'd be saying 11 years. So I think they were the same people who created the Dragon Cyber Club pure poker site. I just think they're a little bit more grown up now. It is 14 years later. And, uh, you know, the people running the Dragon Cyber Club in, in 1999, they may have, may have been 18 years old. And, and now, you know, they're, they're 32 years old. I'm just throwing out an example out there. Now, what about your balance can Pure Poker see your lock poker information, your lock poker balance? Are they really transferring it? The answer is no. Uh, the whole thing is pretty much a fraud. Uh, it's, it's just a marketing ploy. Basically, what Pure Poker is doing is they're saying, email us and tell us what your balance is, and, and we might credit you that balance, provided you rake enough to cash, to cash it out. So someone tried an experiment on 2 plus 2, making up a story uh, claiming I'm such and such person I had this much on lock my screen name on lock was this can you transfer me here the person made up everything they made up the name, they made up the screen name they made up the balance they just made it up off the top of their head to see if Pure Poker had access to any of this to verify it well Pure Poker didn't, Pure Poker said okay well we've transferred it over well, welcome to Pure Poker and, and then transferred some of their balance over there, or transferred. I, th- I think gave them fifty dollars to start, and said we'll give you the rest later after we look into it. Uh, but the bottom line is, uh, I think they're claiming they'll transfer up to five thousand, but it, then you have to rake a whole lot to get the five thousand off. It, it's all a big marketing ploy. They're just using this to get new users on there, and and uh, are trying to pretend they had your lock info. And of course, they get it all eventually because you sign up with all your info. To the new site, so they have that. And then you email them what your lock balance was, and they go, "Oh yeah, yeah, we just found it." But in reality, they had nothing. They're just pretending to transfer it over. It's just a marketing gimmick. So, so you might as well not bother with them. It's a waste of time. And in fact, even though they had a good payout history in 2005 after the future bet debacle, uh, this is a pretty dishonest way to start a site. And there's nothing special about playing there as compared to lock poker. And the truth is, if nobody deposits there, and I can't see many people trusting them to deposit, they're not going to have the money to pay you anyway. So I wouldn't bother with pure poker. It's a, it, it's pretty much a scam itself. And uh, last week I said maybe give them a shot and just be cautious. This week I'm saying no. It's it's uh, They're probably not as bad as lock poker, but they're pretty bad too. So that's who pure poker is. Um, let me move on to the next topic. Revolution, by the way, and this is a related topic, so I might as well do it next. Revolution is claiming that 
Lock Poker owes them money because Lock Poker has been firing at Pure Poker and Revolution, saying, you know, they're scammers, they're they're liars, they're they they stole our software, they they're trying to tell lies about us. We don't owe anyone money. So Lock, you know, they've been really aggressively responding to the allegations on Pure Poker about Lock owing all this money. Well, Revolution made a statement that. Locke is full of crap, basically. They wrote this, or they said this, to PokerFuse. The network tried very hard to keep to help Locke work through its problems with slow withdrawals to players, implementing features to help with player segregation and reduce player chip dumping and player losses. Due to lack of payment to the network and a large growing debt, the network had no choice but to eventually segregate Locke players almost entirely for network cash games. The network issued an official final demand Notice to lock in October, and unfortunately must now pursue lock to the full extent possible by by law to recover all monies owed and damages caused. So, so basically, they're saying uh, we we tried, we tried to work with lock, we tried to even segregate their players to prevent this from even getting worse, and and they they just weren't paying anyone. We we finally just gave them a demand notice to pay up, and they're not doing it. So now we're going to have to uh, sue them, which is never going to work, by the way. But uh, I believe them. I'm not saying the Revolution Network... I'm not saying they're angels. But I think Locke really screwed everyone. I know they did. I know Locke owes money to skins. I know Locke owes a ton of money to players. They just stiffed everyone. And anyone who plays there now is a fool. Now, how is Locke doing? How is Locke doing on the new network? Is it a brave new world over there? No. According to PokerScout.com, Locke is currently suffering a major traffic loss. Locke currently only has about a quarter of the activity that is currently on Revolution. Locke is actually one of the least active U.S.-facing poker sites now. So they're really having trouble catching on with their new software. As I thought, this new network is going to be the complete death of them. They're not down yet, but I was actually happy to see them re- leave Revolution. They're no longer victimizing all the other skins on there, and now they're just on their own, and they're going to fail. They're going to fail even worse. No one no one trusts them anymore, and I, I don't think this new self-run network is going to have any success at all. It'll be a disaster. So, moving on to the next topic. Party Poker founder Ruth Parasol has been forced out of BWIN Party. BWIN Party is the current uh, company that owns Party Poker. And uh, Ruth Parasol started Party Poker back, uh, I think, in 2001. Don't have the exact year, but I think that's when it was. But she's been forced out. And I'll tell you why. BWIN Party wants to be able to have a presence in New Jersey. They're trying to get a, a license in New Jersey to, to have their software used for the legalized uh, gambling that's going to be there online later this month. New Jersey researches whoever they give a license to, and if 
the people who they're giving a license to have a shady history. They don't want to give them a license. They basically want good citizens having licenses there. So they didn't feel that Ruth Parasol was a good citizen. I'll read you a small part of the statement regarding what they're going to do about this. So uh, on July 29, 2013, B-Win Party applied to the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement for a casino service industry enterprise license. As part of the application process, certain substantial shareholders of BWIN Party are required to submit individual license applications to the DGE, which is the Department of Gaming Enforcement, or otherwise dispose of their shareholdings. As a result, certain substantial shareholders of BWIN Party have elected, subject to the conditions summarized below, to place their BWIN Party shares into divestiture trusts. So, what they're saying here is that you have to to get a license any substantial shareholders of the company looking for a license have to they also have to get individual licenses for themselves so you can't say well i'm a criminal piece of garbage but my company is clean so give me a license no if you're a substantial shareholder of that company you have to also qualify for an individual license for your company to get licensed so if you don't want that or if you can't qualify for that then you need to uh, get rid of your shares so, divestiture arrangements. Emerald Bay Limited, wholly owned by Ruth Parasol de Leon, and Stinson Ridge Limited, wholly owned by James Russell de Leon, as her husband, have elected pursuant to a divorce settlement, I guess it's her ex-husband, and for reasons of privacy, to enter into a divestiture agreement with BWIN Party and the DGE rather than submit individual license applications. So, uh, Ruth Parasol is like... <laughs> I'm never going to get a license, so screw it. I'm, I'm just going to divest. So, uh, here's the reason that uh, she would not uh, be able to get a license. Because, you know, Party Poker backed out as soon as the UIGEA came down in 2006. They did not offer games to U.S. players after that. So I would have thought, well, you know, why does the government hate Party so much? Well, it's not so much against party, it's against Ruth Parasol herself. It's uh, The DOJ approached Ruth and, and Russell, her husband, her, you know, who's now an ex-husband, who's then her husband, about negotiating settlements similar to uh, that of Anurag Dixit. Because Anurag Dixit was one of the other owners, and that's really how you pronounce his name, by the way, Dixit. Actually, I think it's Dixit, but it's spelled Dixit. <laughs> D-I-K-S-H-I-T. Uh, the Dixit there had a settlement with the U.S. government for hundreds of millions of dollars where he, he paid that out to the U.S. government so they don't arrest him and pretty much let him off of for running party prior to the UIGEA. So they approached Ruth Parasol and her husband and said, okay, the dick shit paid up, you pay up too. And instead of paying up, Ruth Parasol and her husband gave the middle finger to the U.S. Department of Justice and just said, hey, we're going to stay outside the U.S. and never come back. So, they still own part of Party, and it does not look good for B-Win Party that two of their important founding shareholders are U.S. citizens who have given the U.S. the finger, basically. So, for that reason, they're just divesting of it so B-Win Party can get their license. Otherwise, they wouldn't be getting there from New Jersey for that reason. So, I thought that was an interesting thing to mention. 
And his name really is Dixit. Pronounced Dixit, but D-I-K-S-H-I-T. Can you imagine that name? I would think if you're going to do any business in America or anywhere that speaks English, you should change that name. I don't care how proud you are of the family name. If your name is Dixit, it's, it's time to change your name. I thought it was a joke when I saw Dixit for the first time, but now it's real. One of the founders of Party Poker is really named Dixit. And the Dixit, he used to actually call people personally to talk to them. Now, he never called me. I was one of the original players on Party, but he actually called one of my good friends who used to play on there all the time and said, hey, I see you're a regular player on Party. Uh, Can you tell me what you think of the site? Can you tell me things you'd like to see approved? Improved, not approved. I didn't get any calls from the Dixit, but I did get a call from Mike Sexton when I had stopped playing on Party for a few months. I get this call. Yeah, Todd, this is Mike Sexton. I see you haven't logged on to part of poker in a while. I'd just like to know if there's any good reason why. I couldn't believe it. Like, Mike Sexton's calling me to ask me why I haven't played on party recently. That was before, uh, you know, the poker boom. I think it was in 2002. So, next topic here. Again, about party poker. Party poker had segregated tables. And we just talked about the segregation on lock. Party poker also had segregated tables, but in a little bit of a different way. It was not because they couldn't pay people. And of course, party poker, they no longer serve U.S. customers, as I said earlier, starting in late 2006. But uh, very big site for non-U.S. players. In fact, they were the biggest site for non-U.S. players until... Poker stars also became non-U.S. only. But uh, Party Poker did a secret segregation of tables to protect their fish on the site. On February 23rd, 2013, they introduced what they called protected tables. But when I say what they called, they didn't tell anyone about this. It was supposed to be a secret. Uh, Basically, these tables were ones at lower and middle stakes accessible only to newer and weaker players. If you were a long-time grinder or winner on party, you could not see these tables. And you couldn't sit at them, obviously. Then they tried to hide the, the existence of these, uh, presumably so the grinders didn't find ways to get around it, like by signing up an account for their mom and then uh, playing under their mom's account. Because basically these were tables only for, for new users or players who lose. Now what was stupid about this is you can't get anything by the online poker community. We're a lot of smart people. We're made up of a lot of smart people. The online poker grinders. Some of them not so smart, but a lot of them very smart. So you can't trick the entire community for very long. We found that out from the AP scandal, from the UB scandal, from so many other scandals that were brought to light. People think they can trick poker players constantly, and they constantly fail in their attempts to trick them. I don't understand why they keep attempting to trick the poker players in the online community. It's just too hard. So, of course, nothing got by the online poker community. It was quickly discovered that these were rolled out. And, big shock, immediately people found ways to exploit them. Not very tough ways, just create new accounts of friends or relatives, play on those accounts, and now you have access to the protected tables. And now, in fact, you have an additional advantage, because most people, most of the other pros and grinders, 
cannot see these tables and cannot sit there. So now you get to sit there all alone with all the fish and take all their money, and there's no other pros to share the money with. Isn't that beautiful? And the people who do follow the rules are people who aren't even aware that these protected players existed, or protected tables existed, uh, they made a lot less money on party because they couldn't access these. So all this served to do was give a few pros who were willing to manipulate the system an additional advantage. This was not saving the fish. All this did is allow fewer pros to take from them. So it was giving certain pros an unfair advantage over others. It was very dumb. But since February, it had been this way for a long time. You know, we're in November now. It's now been over eight months. And they had these dumb protected player and protected tables that were taken advantage of by the people who realized what was going on. There's a new head of poker at party called, his name is Jeffrey Haas. Jeffrey Haas realized that this was stupid. That they weren't accomplishing anything and all they were doing is giving unfair advantages to certain people who were willing to break the rules. So he has done away with the segregated tables. But more importantly, Jeffrey Haas has decided to turn over a new leaf for party poker. Jeffrey is saying, we're not going to try anything sneaky anymore. We're not going to do things behind your back anymore. We're not going to try to trick you guys anymore. We're going to be upfront, open, honest, and we're going to have a lot of communication with the biggest poker forum there is, which is 2 plus 2. He made a long statement on 2 plus 2, which I think is worth reading, regarding party poker. Hi, I said we'd be more open with you and promised to return today to address your recent points about protected tables. I'm generally not going to be posting here in the future, but will ensure others in my team do so regularly. First, some important points. One, we're addressing questions raised in this community and elsewhere about the manner in which we've chosen to provide certain players with a tailored online playing experience that not everyone gets to share. For the time being, and for the sake of an open dialogue, we have put other things aside, not because they're not worthy of being addressed, but because the dialogue will be not constructive if it derails. So this is fairly lengthy and focused on one topic. So what he's saying is, I know you guys have a lot of stuff to talk about with us, but we're just talking about this here with the segregated tables. We'll talk about everything else later. Two, we, and we're sure the same goes for our competition, are forever grateful for the vigilance with which some of you will go about tracing questionable behavior on poker sites. That can never be a bad thing, even if we're more informed than you, th- even if we're often more informed than you think. Sometimes we're limited by our own inadequate policies and rules. That can be very frustrating. Sometimes we just choose to deal with matters in a different manner. But nothing detracts from the value of your dedication and our level of gratitude. So what they're saying here is, we're happy you guys are are catching things like this. We're happy you guys are very vigilant and very observant and catch everything. We think that's a good thing for poker, which it is. Number three, this is not a discussion about whether you, Joe down the street, or anyone else should or should not be able to access this or that game. We reserve the right to offer poker games under any conditions that our regulators permit, and that's really not open for discussion. However, you players should, of course, expect to be able to understand the conditions in place so you can make informed decisions about whether or not to play on our sites. In that regard, we haven't delivered acceptably in the past. So they're saying, we're not promising we're not going to segregate again, but we're going to tell you the truth about it and be upfront about it and not try to sneak it by you like we did before. Before we snuck it by you and we shouldn't have, we were stupid. Good. 
Four, we take pride in being at the forefront of understanding how the ecology of an online poker room works, even though we clearly need to improve some parts of our operation. For this discussion to be useful, it is vital that you, for example, consider the possibility that players and behavior you think create the bottom line value for us does not correlate with our view. You don't have to agree with our view, but it's not much use if you're, willing to con- if you're not willing to consider that we might make decisions based on different criteria than you, would have, than you would had you run an online poker room. We also don't only run a standalone poker site, but also have numerous other products connected to our player ecosystem, and there are a lot of inexperienced poker players, for example, affiliated sportsbooks, who casually try sitting at our poker tables and don't always have great experiences. So what they're trying to say here is... You may get on our case because uh, we make changes that hurt the grinders, but we have other things to consider, too. We have the recreational players to consider, too. We're trying to do what's best for everyone, not just what's best for our super dedicated grinders. So you may not agree with everything we're saying. You may say you'd run a poker room differently, but we're trying to we're trying to run this from all angles and to appeal to all people, and sometimes that ends up not being what you would want. And five is, is similar. He says, five, we have no intention on being a grinder hostile site. Based on our understanding of how the ecosystem works, we do believe that some traditional elements and features in online poker have been misguided for years to the attribute, a- absolute detriment of the game. Obviously, we want to correct those somehow. And obviously, that sucks if you're on the wrong end of the correction, but that doesn't mean we dislike grinders. We've just done a terrible job at communicating where we stand on that issue, among others. We should not forget that all grinders were once novices. Grinding is an integral part of online poker, and it is our aim and ambition to reinvigorate that experience. Not by looking backwards, though, but by looking forward. Are we there yet? Not by miles. So what he's trying to say there is, um, we're, we're going to be changing things. Just because you think you're entitled to such and such rake back, or entitled to such and such benefits or rights as grinders, uh, you're not. We think it's an outdated way of thinking and that uh, this has actually hurt the poker ecosystem and now you have too many pros and not enough fish we're trying to restore to where there's not as many pros and more fish and uh, we may have to change some things that you guys don't like to make that happen but uh, and we're still modifying the process but that doesn't mean we hate grinders it just means we're trying to work them into the system so you know I, I don't love that part uh, they may say they don't want to be a grinder hostile site, but it kind of sounds like they do. You have to understand that grinders are inevitable when you run a poker site. This, this is, this is of course, my commentary, not his. You can't say, well, grinders are hurting the poker ecosystem, so we've got to find some way to thwart them or get rid of them. If you want a lower rake back or whatever, fine. You, you want to give some better benefits to the losing players, fine. I understand that. As long as you're upfront about it, as long as you keep your promises from the past or whatever... Fine. As long as you don't retroactively apply what you're doing, like what Merge has been doing with their VIP program, like I mentioned last week, that cheats people out of money, fine. But uh, it's not really fair to say grinders have been damaging the poker ecosystem. They're part of the poker ecosystem. You're going to have good players that know they're winners, and they're going to keep playing a whole lot because they know the more they play, the more they win. And you can't punish those people because what you're doing is you're punishing anyone for being successful at the game you're trying to offer. So you can try to give better incentives for certain players. You can give better deposit bonus for fish. You could 
uh, you know, find ways to give more rake back to fish. That all makes sense, but don't don't find don't punish the grinders or say that they're hurting the ecosystem. And I think that's what the guy's trying to say. Uh, number six, the limited tables that lie at the heart of the conflict will be removed. Not because the intention behind them has changed, but because the feature no longer serves a valid purpose if it's abused and manipulated. Before anyone shouts, well, you've handed them a victory on a plate by removing these tables, you can expect us to produce something new to bring about a sensible and healthy balance in our poker ecology, and for the good measure, we'll tell you the what, the when, the why, and the how behind our thinking. With my arrival, I can safely say that the run-silent, run-deep approach has been scrapped for good. So... What he's trying to say here is Don't be so thrilled that we've gotten rid of these tables And that you've beaten us down into doing it By manipulating it and by abusing it Because we're going we're gonna to find something else To replace the segregated tables That uh, hurts the grinders and helps the fish We just haven't figured it out yet We're just going to tell you beforehand what we're doing Number seven For B-Win Party, the game of poker is not just a numbers game It can't just be a numbers game We are in the entertainment business And entertainment value is not always measured in dollars That's BS any company that says our value is not measured in dollars is lying. I remember Citibank had a stupid advertising campaign about 10 years ago that money isn't everything. And, and that's true in life. Money isn't everything. But you don't want your bank saying that. You don't want your bank saying money isn't everything. For your bank, money should be everything. And I know the ad campaign was trying to say that your life should be more about money. That if you don't have that much money, you can still have a great life. And that's all true. But your bank shouldn't be advertising that. Your bank should be focusing on, to us, your money is everything. We're going to do the best to manage it, not screw up. Any company that says, oh, we're not about money, we're about entertainment, we're about this, we're about... No, 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 no. For-profit companies exist for profit, so they can make money. And there's nothing wrong with that, but don't lie about it. That's, that's crap. So he says, if we choose to ensure certain players have been less fortunate or have a little have little experience... Uh, play more with each other We are not basing our argument just in dollars and cents We have to consider other values Like the fact that a multi-tabling high activity players Aren't particularly fun to play against If you're new to the game Not socializing, not answering honest questions Not shy of delivering a critical remark To complete strangers That's awful entertainment for someone who might not yet Fully grasp the intricacies of the game So he's trying to say is it's not fun to play with grinders If you're a recreational player And they may call you a fish, they may make fun of you They'll beat you quickly, they won't be friendly uh, they may not even answer your questions. Look, that, that's all true, but you don't care about that. You only care about the fish because they're the ones who deposit money here. That's why you care about that. You don't care about the fish from a human standpoint. It's insulting to put that part in this otherwise fairly honest statement. That's, again, trying to treat poker players like they're stupid. You know, For B-Win Party, it's not just a numbers game. It's not It's not measured in dollars. Of course it's measured in dollars. Stupid. Eight. If this all sounds like we're patting ourselves on the back and dismissing your concerns, then that couldn't be more wrong. We recognize that we're in a chip-in-a-chair position, and we need to stack up some goodwill rather soon. That a dumb statement. That doesn't really mean anything. They're trying to say we're going to still listen to your concerns, and hopefully that's true. Dumb way of putting it. I hate when people use these, these poker analogies or, or poker references. Well, we're all in with that one. Uh, we're down to a chip in a chair right now. I mean, uh, people who play poker a lot don't want to hear crap like that. It, it may be cute to hear those things if you're just a very casual fan of poker. If you're a regular player, you don't want to hear these little puns having to do with poker. They just come off as stupid. 
Nine. Lastly, a note of appreciation. This may sound odd, but thanks for putting on the pressure. Sometimes that can be tremendously helpful for a company like ours. It forces us in a good way to move ahead on issues that have been sidelined due to more perceived pressing matters. I actually believe him on that one. Sometimes criticism is the most helpful thing for a company to hear. I can even say on Poker Fraud Alert that uh, sometimes I will change something because people criticize me. I've had it in poker, too. I've had it where I'm playing poker a certain way, I'm playing a certain style, and people make fun of me and, and you know make fun of the way I play a certain hand or in a certain spot, and I realize that they're right. I'm making a mistake. I- I'm not playing this spot well. And I change it. And it's it's not nice to be made fun of, and it's not nice to be called a fish or, or people laughing at, at moves you make or you know being so critical of you, but sometimes that's when it's the most helpful. So it's what he's trying to say here is that everyone making such a big deal about these segregated tables actually made them take note of it and realize how, how wrong it is to have these if, if they're just going to get abused. So then he went on to say, with that, with that out of the way, here's an explanation for the context and timeline of this feature being introduced. Some specifics of how certain things are calculated will not be communicated between, because A, the methods and algorithms change subtly during the months following its release. B, it doesn't matter as long as the features that rely on such calculations are not active. And C, they fall under the protected business secrets category. So he's saying we're going to tell you as much as we can, but we have to leave out some things. Uh... So I'm not going to read the rest of this, actually. It's it's just about the protected tables. But uh, you can read the rest. I posted it in the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum. Uh, he's basically saying it, it appeared on, on February 23rd that if you could see the tables, you could sit at them. If you couldn't see them, you couldn't sit at them. And that they were put up for people who were uh, basically losers of the, on, on the site or new users and uh, the stronger players were kept away. So he, he even put his own cliff notes. Uh, one, really long post about only one topic. Two, protected tables were, first appeared 23rd February. Protected tables were removed on 31 October. And four, party poker promises to improve communication, and somebody from the poker team will be posting at least weekly starting next week. So so he's saying that uh, that uh, they'll, have, they'll have a rep on 2 plus 2 that posts at least once a week and communicates with people and they're no longer going to hide things from their customers. If they make a major change, they're going to tell everyone. You know, Party, I don't agree with everything you do and I think some of this statement was BS, as I noted. But you're on the right track and as long as you're open with what you're doing, it's up to you to run your business how you want. I can't tell you how to run your poker room None of us can tell you how to run your poker room. As long as you're upfront with what you're doing, why you're doing it, and give us an informed choice as to whether to continue playing on your site, that's all we can ask for as poker players. A business can run itself the way it wants. It only ventures into shady territory when it does things in secret and hides things from the customers or cheats the customers. But if they're upfront with everything and they pay all their obligations, you can't complain. You may not agree with the way they run their business, but... It's their right to do so. And I think this is definitely moving in the right direction. So, uh, moving on to the next topic. A a website, a poker site, that's definitely not taking that model. And that is 
poker host. Poker host, in addition to banning winning players on the site, they talk about a war on grinders. They're actually banning players who win on poker host. Not all the players who win, but if they think that you're generally a winning player, a winning grinder, they don't want you on poker host, they're actually banning anyone of that description that they determine is a winner in that regard. I'm not sure what formula they're using, but they're actually banning people who are winners on poker host and who they expect to continue winning. They're doing something new, though, this week. I talked about that last week. This week, they have killed player-to-player transfers. Now, they're on the Merge Network, Poker Host, and Carbon and Ace and the other big skins on Merge banned player-to-player transfers a long time ago. long time ago. I think over about a year ago they did this. But uh, as we've seen, at least up until recently, it wasn't because of any financial problems. They were doing that for a different reason than I've discussed before. Poker Host, I'm not so sure about. Poker Host claims that they're killing player-to-player transfers, quote, in order to comply with the new established network rules to create a recreational environment. So supposedly Merge is trying to create a better environment for recreational players, and that killing player-to-player transfers does that. I think that's bad news. There are only two things that killing player-to-player transfers accomplishes. Number one, it forces more deposits onto the site because if a new player wants to deposit there, he can no longer just call his buddy and say, hey, transfer me this money. What's the difference? Because if your buddy transfer you money, then no new money's coming into the site. You're just taking existing money that otherwise wasn't really being used. It was just kind of sitting in someone's account. Uh, they don't get the deposit they'd otherwise get, which is what poker sites need to survive is deposits. Number two, Killing player-to-player transfers makes it more difficult for grinders to quickly get money onto the site because everybody has deposit limits and things like that, so you're just not properly rolled if you can't constantly have friends just shipping you money really quickly if you need it. Uh, For example, if you see a fish sitting uh, and you're new to the site, you may call your buddy and say, hey, send me 10K right now. Or, hey, send me 2K and I'll call you if I need more. And then you can send me another 2K, another 2K. Well, if you can't get money like that, just sent to you on demand from your friends you have to rely on the deposit system and you probably have deposit limits it's a lot harder to get properly rolled to play a fish at middle or high limits if you're not already established on the site with a lot of money what I don't like here is that killing the player the player to player transfers could be a very bad sign for poker host liquidity that might mean that they need deposits badly, and the only way to get deposits is to stop people from transferring money to one another, because the only reason you transfer to someone, aside from paying a debt to them, is to give someone money to play on the site. Someone who doesn't have money at the moment, either because they're new or they busted, needs money, and you can send it to them. The site would much rather you deposit new money. So this could indicate that they have a liquidity problem over the poker host. And this also makes me think that it goes along with the fact that Poker Host is banning winning players, which I theorized last week could have been because they're trying to find a way to not have to make large cash outs to anyone. They'll cash you out now. They're probably not broke. But maybe they're gearing up to not having to keep really very much cash on hand at all. Knowing that any anyone who wins a whole lot of money on there re- regularly 
is not going to be making large cash outs because they're going to be banned from the site. So they'll ban all the people they expect to be making large cash outs, expecting to be taking a lot of money off the site, and keeping all the people who are likely to lose or trade money back and forth with each other while the rate gets taken, and they hardly have to pay anyone. And I think that's actually their plan. Or it very well could be. So that combined with the no-player transfer sounds like we're trying to force you to deposit here to put new money on, but we're taking steps to get players away from our site who typically take money off. What does that sound like? It sounds like a site that either doesn't have very much money at the moment to pay out cash outs, or ones that one that expects not to in the future because they're going to steal it soon. Can't say this for sure, obviously, but it's a bad sign. It may not just be about a war on grinders. It may actually be a way to not have to keep much cash on hand if you know that there won't be many big cash outs. And to ensure the deposits rolling in. Pretty bad. Stay away from poker hosts. Pretty bad news. So, I'll talk about uh, Annie Duke, and then uh, that'll be the last topic before we talk about the final topic of the World Series of Poker main event, which has been won by Ryan Reese tonight. Annie Duke has a fiancé named Joe Reitman. He's an actor. He used to date Shannon Elizabeth. Can you imagine? I mean, putting everything else aside that I'm about to talk about. Can you imagine having sex with Shannon Elizabeth every day? The hot girl from uh, American Pie? And then going to Annie Duke? Like, how can you do that? How can you even get it up at that point? And Shannon Elizabeth still looks good. She's not one of these actresses that looked good in the late 90s and looks nasty now. I saw her, like, I don't know, three years ago, two years ago. I saw her two years ago, in 2011. And she looked very good. She's only like a year younger than me, but she looked really good. So, can you imagine going from that to Annie Duke? And not even like the kind of cute Annie Duke in her 30s, but more of like the nasty Annie Duke in her 40s that we see today. So, it must be for money. That's all I can say. Has to be for money. <laughs> so, uh, and it's not even like Annie Duke's a nice person and just you know isn't that attractive anymore. Annie Duke is a bitch. I mean, she's just awful. I, I just couldn't picture living with Annie Duke. Even if Annie Duke was like the hottest chick in the world, I couldn't picture living with Annie Duke. Oh my goodness! It just she's just so unpleasant in every way. So. Anyway, her boyfriend, Joe Reitman, he was under fire a little bit, and she was under fire, because he won a tournament on UB a while back. It was uh, the UBOC tournament. And once the super user stuff came out, once it became clear that uh, whole cards could be seen on UB by certain people who were insiders at the company, people wondered, did Annie see the whole cards, and then allow her boyfriend, Joe Reitman, to win the tournament by just telling him the whole cards. There were also suspicions that even if she wasn't seeing the whole cards, that maybe she was playing on his account. Maybe she was the player. Because, you know, Annie Duke's a pretty good poker player. Not a good person, but a pretty good poker player. Hell of a lot better than Joe Reitman, who's just an actor who plays recreationally. So here, in, in a fairly tough tournament... Uh, Joe Reitman ended up winning. And Annie Duke, who was actually commentating on that event, showed up to commentate on it pretty late, making people think that, at least up till that point, 
Annie was playing on Joe's account. And then people also wondered, since Annie later admitted that she had access to the tool to look at people's cards, but only on a 15-minute delay, and uh, you know that was after only after Russ Hamilton talked about that on those on those tapes that uh, Travis McCarr released. Only then did Annie Duke admit that she had access to that tool. But they said, okay, well, if Annie Duke could see cards on a 15-minute delay, maybe she was using that to help her boyfriend Joe Reitman. Or maybe she was looking on it with no delay. But even with a 15-minute delay, maybe she was telling Joe Reitman what she was seeing. Telling Joe Reitman, hey, that guy just bluffed you 15 minutes ago, so keep that in mind. This guy's bluffing a lot. This guy is uh, raising light. This guy's three-betting light. Whatever. Well, Eleven Grover, a.k.a. Scott Bell, who recently released the uh, Ultimate Beat documentary about the UB scandal, has released some information that he got regarding Annie Duke in this uh, tournament that her boyfriend won. This is what Scott Bell posted. The source is close enough to know the truth, but only a single source. They said that in the UBOC tournament that Joe Reitman won, it was actually UB pro Gary DeBernardi that took over the last three tables when it was down to 20 players. He either ghosted, ghosted meaning that he just sat behind Joe and told him what to do, or outright made all play decisions, including top top pair, top kicker versus bottom two pair call. It is not known whether the the tool, referring to the uh, tool to see the cards, was being used, but it seems probable it wasn't for at least this portion of the tournament. It was also not told to me whether or not Annie Duke played for the first few hours. I've had a lot of conversations with Joe, and he maintains he played the whole time. I like Joe, but have to remind him that he is a thespian by trade with some ability to act. I personally believe the source, though I have to remind them that ghosting and coaching did not have the same stigma in 2006 that it has today. The reason I'm not putting it in the film, referring to Ultimate Beat, is that A, it's a single source, B, three or four people in a position to know the truth could easily decide perjuring themselves would be a low-risk proposition in a defamation case, and thus I didn't want to jeopardize the film over this minor bombshell. Most people I've spoken with have never believed Annie Duke on this issue, and now at least we have a name to pair up with what happened. So he's saying that uh, UB pro Gary DiBernardi took over for Joe when it was down to 20 players, and that it may have even been Annie Duke playing on Joe's account prior to that, or at least helping him, uh, but but that basically Annie was with Joe, and then once she had to leave him, that that, uh, that Gary DiBernardi took over. Well, so I posted about this, and then Scott showed up on this site and corrected his own post and said that he spoke to Gary DiBernardi, and that he's come to believe that it probably wasn't him, but instead it was actually Sean Rice, who was another UB pro. He said, I sent Sean an email and haven't heard back yet. So, now he was pointing out, and it was true, in 2006, when this tournament was won, uh, there was not as much criticism then of letting someone else coach you or play on your account when you got deep in a tournament. But but a lot of people believed it was wrong back then, so it's not like it was an accepted practice. It just wasn't as uh, as criticized as it would be today. So that's not an excuse. Um, Haley Hintz didn't agree. She wrote this in response to uh, Eleven Grover, Scott Bell. To the best of my knowledge, there was no super using during that tournament 
which they both seem to agree on. And Joe Reitman played most, if not all of it, possibly jointly with Annie during the early stages, then by himself later on. The attorney appears to be more of a classic case of donk on a rush than anything else. Since Annie had plenty of funny money available to her on the site, it was easy enough to let Joe have fun in a tournament like that. Reitman was in communication with several people during the later stages of that tournament, including Sean Rice, uh, but maybe not uh, Bernardi. Rice did not help Reitman with any hand decisions, but was instead trying to help Reitman stay calm, breathing exercises and whatnot. It is probable that neither Rice nor DiBernardi offered any insights during that infamous two-pair-top-pair-top-kicker hand that drew all the attention. So, she's saying that Rice was just advising Reitman, and also advised him later when a a chop was being discussed. But that he was not helping with any kind of strategy decisions. So, it seems to be agreed between... uh, Scott Bell and Haley hints that uh, Sean Rice was involved in some way, but uh, Haley saying that Sean did not help with the play; he just helped uh, keep him calm, almost like a like a a life coach, and and with uh, and also explained to him how you work a chop. But of course, uh, Haley and Scott Bell barely agree on anything, so I don't know what to say. But I figured I'd put it out there. That's what uh, Scott says he's heard, and then Haley says in return what she's heard. Not all that important of an issue, I mean, compared to everything else on UB, whether Joe Reitman won that through ghosting, it's not that important, because they all seem to agree that there wasn't any kind of super-using going on, which is what's most important. Uh, There's a lot of people who won tournaments thanks to ghosting or uh, letting someone take over their account, so I'm not saying it was right to do, but it's a very, very, very minor scandal, if true. But I still hate any Duke. All right, so the World Series of Poker main event concluded. It's over. 2013 World Series main event is in the bag, as is the entire 2013 World Series. This is a a pretty traumatic main event for me, as you guys remember. Um, it's the only time in my life that when I busted out of a tournament, I actually had uh, uh, physical effects from it. I actually... Uh, had to sit down and had trouble seeing straight, had trouble walking straight after shoving my ace-king into aces and virtually bubbling it. I say virtually bubbling, I mean, we're down to like... Uh, I don't even remember the number anymore, but we, we were we're only a few hours away from uh, the bubble bursting after three long days of play. Where I can tell you, I, I, up till that point, I, I played it very well. I played very well. I really made the most of what cards I was given. And I could have busted many times, and many other times I uh, I really dodged a lot of bust-out spots with a lot of great folds. And I was just uh, so disappointed to go out that way and get nothing for it. But this isn't about me. This is about the uh, the people who didn't bust prior to the final table. And there were some familiar names that made the final table. It wasn't a bunch of nobodies this time. Uh... No huge, huge names, but uh, a number of fairly known people, including J.C. Tran, Mark Newhouse, David Benefield, and a lot of people were expecting J.C. Tran, who was the chip leader, to dominate. Uh, J.C. Tran was uh, an experienced player, was really, really hot around 2006, 2007, they kind of fell off the radar for a while, but he was known as as a, a good, solid tournament player that knew what he was doing, that ran up a tiny day three stack where he was just about busted down to 12k 
and you start with 30k, by the way. So he's 12k on day three, and he runs that up to the chip lead coming into the main event final table, which is crazy. But uh, J.C. Tran finished fifth. Mark Newhouse, who was the uh, kind of comeback player of the year story, guy who had uh, a bankroll well, well over two million after winning the World Poker Tour in uh, 2006, only to uh, shoot it all off in various ways, such as uh, just playing way above his role, bad life and spending decisions, uh, loaning money to friends that were pieces of shit, uh, you know, getting taken advantage of by all kinds of people. It's Mark Newhouse made like every novice mistake that a young poker player could make. Nice guy, though. I, I really like Mark Newhouse. I had a personal experience with Mark Newhouse, who, who was never my friend. Mark Newhouse was never my friend. We were never enemies, but he was never my friend. But who did something you know, very nice for me at one point, just just to be a nice guy. And then when I saw that, I said, this is a good guy. Because he had nothing to gain the favor he did for me. And, and it was some trouble for him, and he just did it to be nice. And I said, that, that's a sign of a good person. So, you know, he's made some mistakes because he's had his friends influence him to do stupid things, but uh, nothing that terrible. And, and, you know, Mark Newhouse is a good guy. I was rooting for him. Uh, unfortunately for Mark Newhouse, despite me rooting for him, it, it didn't work out very well. Uh, he finished ninth, which overall is a great finish to the main event. Took down, uh, I think, 773,000. But uh, before you get too jealous of Mark Newhouse and his 773K, uh, first of all, I have a feeling he did not put himself in this event. I think someone probably put him in. So he probably owes his backer some money. He's probably in for some makeup. He owes a lot of people money still. So I, I don't know if he's going to come out with anything here. He may, he may still be broke. So he owed a lot of money. I think he was in makeup. I mean, I, I don't know his full situation. But... He really needed a, a big, big score here, and while 773,000 will help, it, it uh, he may not be in that different of a spot, just owing a lot less money. So, I hope that's not true, but it might be. Uh, J.C. Tran, though, Mark Newhouse, he he didn't have many chips, and he got in with nines against Ace King, and you know, so be it. And by the way, Chino was there uh, supporting Newhouse, and you know, people were saying Chino is smelling blood and was you know there on the rails so he could. Uh, get money out of Newhouse. And I'm sure that's partially true, but it's also true they've been friends for a long time. It, it wasn't a sudden friendship where Chino said, Hey, Newhouse! Hey, buddy! Uh, let me get to know you. No, it wasn't like that. Uh, Newhouse and Chino have been friends for a long time, but that, that's an example, though, of, of someone that uh, Newhouse would be better off not being friends with. There's just Newhouse just... He got to know a lot of these commerce people that really aren't very good people. I'm not going to name any names, but they, and not all of them are bad, but there's a lot of them that are not very good people that, that he he would have been better off not being friends with. But anyway, he, he finished ninth. Uh, really, the seven players who had to fall off before heads up were reached, that was reached, uh, they fell off fairly fast, fast enough to where they actually went down to two players instead of three. Because uh, usually they go down to three. That was the plan. Instead, they actually went down to uh, to two. To Jay Farber and Ryan Reese. And uh, Jay Farber, I, I believe, was like a, a nightclub promoter. He wasn't even a uh, a professional poker player. 
And uh, Jay Farber actually got some criticism from people because between the July main event and the November final table, he bulked up a lot, and people think he took steroids. I don't know if he did or if he just hit the gym a lot or both, but uh, uh, Jay Jay really got uh, bigger, some people think, for TV. Some people also didn't like Ryan Reese. They thought he was too arrogant. This is a tweet just from uh, from uh, Charter, Christian Harder. Used to be part of this community here. Uh, so Ryan calls himself the best in the world. Maybe I'm the only one, but I'm laughing it off and not offended at all. Who cares? So Charter wasn't bothered, but a lot of people uh, were bothered by this. Uh, anyway, some people felt that uh, Ryan Reese was too arrogant. Uh, anyway, the, the the order where people went, uh, Newhouse went out first. David Benefield was out next. A lot of people were rooting for him, but um, he went out eighth. Um, Michael Brumilius, or Brumil Huis, I don't know how you pronounce his name, he went out in seventh. Uh, uh, Mark McLaughlin went out uh, sixth in, in a huge hand with uh, Farber's aces against McLaughlin's kings. Pretty bad cooler to have at the final table of the main event. I'm sure he'll remember that for the rest of his life. Uh, J.C. Tran went out fifth in a controversial hand where he shoved ace-seven offsuit that actually went in ahead against king-queen offsuit and uh, lost when a king flopped. Uh, Sylvain loosely lost in in fifth place when uh, he he busted against Reese and... uh, there's controversy around loosely I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, third place, Amir Levot. Pocket sevens against uh, Reese's pocket tens. As you see, Ryan Reese just kept uh, getting over pairs for people, so that's a pretty easy way to win. So uh, that's how it went down. Then he and Farber played a while, and uh, Reese ended up the winner. Now, let me tell you about uh, the reaction, the public's reaction to this final table. Because people were watching the ESPN coverage and uh, they were very, uh, a lot of them were very unimpressed with the whole thing. Very unimpressed with the play, that is. Uh... Poker Listings, I think it was Poker Listings, put together a compilation of tweets of people talking about the... Uh, where is this? I'm trying to find it. Here we are. A compilation of tweets that people wrote about the final table when it you know, from the moment it started down to two people. So not the final table that took place today with heads up, but the seven who busted yesterday. So they first quoted Eric Froelich, who knocked me out in my very first World Series event ever. I finished third, he finished first, but uh, Eric Froelich said, I guess Loosely is a genius and the biggest piece of shit on earth and I hope he gets what he deserves. Or maybe he's just a huge moron. 
This is from Eric Froelich, referring to uh, Loose Lee's accused angle shooting, which I will explain that uh, shortly. Jesse Martin, also known as Mazer Bowie, who finally broke through and won a bracelet this year after um, a number of close calls, a number of deep runs in the World Series. Pretty nice guy overall, though. I, I like him. ESPN has access to any expert poker player to help with these strategy segments for free, and this is what they come up with? Mind-blowing. So he didn't like the... Uh, the strategy segments there. Uh, he's saying you could have gotten any expert poker player and you're, you're getting morons to, the, to do these. Steve O'Dwyer says, Tragic that we're not getting a pie chart for the 6-6 six, six versus ace-queen fold hand. Danny Stern says, I don't know if I can handle the two-hour wait before the next pie chart anal- analysis. Everyone hated the pie charts. Mike McDonald says, I had a chance to sleep it off, but I'm still agitated with this train wreck I witnessed last night at the World Series. Vanessa Selbst, Confirmed most boring table, boring final table ever. Also, Jay Farber is a boss and he is dominating. Seriously, he's the only one playing exciting poker. So, Vanessa Selfs is saying everybody's playing uh, way too passive, way too boring, and uh, you know, the only one who's mixing it up is Jay Farber. Doc Sands. Message me if you're selling action to the World Series of Poker main event in any of the next 12 years. What he's trying to say here is that uh, people are so bad in this. If, if this is if this is the final table, whoever you are, I'll buy your action in the World Series of Poker main event because you've got a good shot. If this is the best, who makes it through? Brett Ritchie, this loosely guy is incredibly unlikable slash tilting to watch. Brandon Myers, Reese making Alan Kessler and Tony Cousineau look like beasts, saying that Ryan Reese was. Uh, too much of a nit, so much that Alan Kessler would look like a beast. Scott Seaver, in the first of many tweets, going after people. There is still hope for poker because people seem to think Ryan Reese is playing well. He went on to say, Drinking every time Reese makes an inexcusable fold, costing himself thousands of do- uh, tens of thousands of real dollars. Blackout drunk already. I guess it didn't cost him anything because he won, but Seaver saying that he, uh, he he was costing himself tens of thousands of dollars in equity by all these bad folds. Sc- Scott Seaver, with one sentence, Antonio Esfandiari just set poker bat de- back decades and has gained all my anger. Danny Stern says, for the love of God, will someone be please be the first person to flat a three bet? This is the worst segment on any show I've ever seen. Danny Stern went on to say, Given that Reese just folded Queen-10 offsuit in the big blind to a min-raise, I'm going to venture a guess that he isn't the best at the final table. Griffin Benger. J.C. Tran just open-folded Queen-Jack blind versus blind to Jay Farber. Please, man, at least limp. Please. I, I, I can't do this anymore. And by the way, I'm not stuttering here. He wrote it like that. Ronnie Barda. My uh, final table buddy there at... Uh, the 5K limit table this year. Marinella and Helmuth segments were torture. Sam Rizavi. What a shame Scott Seaver, Griffin Benger, and uh, to name a few, using the World Series of Poker final table as an excuse to promote what bosses they all are. The only boss most pro poker players would know, if not for poker, would be a greasy kid five five years their junior working at McDonald's. So he's trying to say 
Uh, get off your. And then he says, "Get off your high horse and show a little humil- humility. Show a little class and show a little respect for your fellow poker players." So San Rizavi was very angry at Scott Seaver and the others for bashing those at the final table and saying, "If it wasn't for poker, uh, you'd probably be working at McDonald's. You guys really have no skill and you really have no other way to make money. You're lucky you have poker." Is what he's saying to them. Uh, you know, stop bashing the other players. Show some class. Well, how do I feel about this? Uh, I will admit that the play wasn't that great at the final table. There were a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fear. There was a lot of fear at the final table. There was a lot of unwillingness to gamble. A lot of cautiousness. A lot of overcautiousness. But let me say this. You don't know how it feels to be at the World Series of Poker main event final table until you're there. Until you're actually there. Until you realize that the difference between ninth place and first place, just in the prize money alone, is like over seven million. Over seven million. It's like it goes from seven seventy three K to well over eight million. That's the difference between first and ninth. So it's a gigantic difference. It's a life-changing difference. And it's hard to gamble in a spot where you normally would when you know that's on the line and when you know you might regret that gambling tomorrow. When you might say, I wish I didn't make this questionable bet right now and rob myself of maybe a great spot a few hands later that could have come up. Maybe I just shot off all my money in a marginal spot when I could have gotten aces over kings the next hand. So, this goes through their mind. It's very hard to get this out of your mind at the World Series of Poker main event that you're playing for all that money and all that glory. The stakes are so high there that it is very, very tough to play your best game. So it is true that there wasn't a lot of good play at this final table, but it's also true that it's hard to play your best game under those circumstances. I'm a Jew, but I'm going to quote Jesus Christ here. Who was a Jew, at least. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. I've seen Scott Seaver make bad plays. I've seen Vanessa Selfs make bad plays. I've seen them all make bad plays. Maybe not bad from a passive standpoint, but I've seen them make bad plays. So... Some of these people didn't have their A-game at the final table of the World Series of Poker main event. It's tough. It's tough to put out of your head where you really are, what you're really doing, the money you're really playing for. It's just tough. I don't blame any of these guys. Especially from the passive standpoint. It's very hard to gamble under those circumstances. In that way, you actually are better off being like filthy rich where the money doesn't matter to you. We're just playing for the glory. You know, if you're Guy Le Liberté at that table, even though you're not that good skill-wise, at least you have the edge in that you don't give a crap about the money. But these guys at the table, every single one of them gave a crap about the money. If I was at that table, I would have given a crap about the money. Now, I don't think I would have open-folded Queen Jack from the small blind to the big blind. But uh, I, I can see where people are afraid to do things like flat-calling three-bets 
and, and other things like that that uh, seems obvious to a lot of these online tourney pros when they're, when they're multi-tabling 16 tournaments. It's just different. Even if the right move is to play more aggressively, even if you're costing yourself money, even if you're doing the wrong thing by playing passively like this, by playing scared, it's hard not to. You can convince yourself you're not going to, but it's hard not to. It's hard to make all the right decisions with all that pressure. So, I don't blame them for that. I think a lot of the criticism was out of line. I don't think there's anything wrong with criticizing the way hands are played and say, this is wrong, I don't agree with this. But but a lot of this was very mean-spirited. So much that when I finished reading all this, I was like, crap. Like, in a way, I actually was happy that I did not make the final table. Not really. But a little bit. A little bit, I was actually thinking, wow, it would kind of hurt to come back and read these sorts of tweets about my play from respected players, saying how awful I am. I mean, look, Ryan Reese just won the main event. But he has to look at tweets like, there is still hope for poker because people seem to think Reese is playing well. And other things like that, from people like Scott Seaver. So... Yeah, if I won the main event, I wouldn't care that much reading things like that. But still, especially if you don't win, and then you got to come home and read things like that. I'm not saying to feel sorry for these people when they've won millions of dollars or, or close to a million dollars. But I almost was happy that I wasn't under that microscope. Because I'm sure I would have made some mistakes in their eyes that they would not have approved of. And there would be tweets all over the place of how terrible I am. Not that you have to care what everyone says, but uh, a lot of this really is, as they said on poker listings, the name of the article, cheap shots from the cheap sheet. Cheap sheets. Cheap shots from the cheap seats. And it really is. You're sitting home on Twitter. It's a lot easier to make this commentary. You know, I commentated on the World Series of Poker, $5,000, I think it was $10,000, then whatever it was, the five dollars or $10,000 uh, limit hold'em event, the one I made fifth this year. I commentated on it in, uh, I think it was 2009, the, the, the year that uh, Greg Mueller won it. And when I was commentating on it, I couldn't see whole cards. I had the same information that the viewer had. But I was able to say what hands I felt both people had. And most of the time I was right. I couldn't believe how good my reads were watching that final table, just watching the betting. And I'd say, I think this person has this, I think that person has that, and they turn over their cards and that's what they'd have. And sometimes sometimes not even that obvious. Sometimes it wasn't like super obvious, you know? Like I I was impressed with myself at how good my reads were. And I said, if my reads were this good every time I played Limit Hold'em, like, I, I'd almost never lose. Why can't they be? And I realize why they can't be. Because it's impossible for me to take my own emotion out of the game when my money's on the line, when my ego's on the line. When it's me at the table, it's a lot harder for me to see things than when I'm watching the table of nine guys playing that I don't give a crap about. So, sometimes you benefit from not caring. So it's much easier for Scott Seaver to see what the correct thing to do is. It's not his money on the line. 
Nothing about watching that table makes Scott Seaver nervous. There's no consequence to Scott Seaver for doing anything wrong or thinking anything wrong when he's just watching. So, criticizing is fine. I just don't like the, the meanness there. Now, someone who might have deserved some meanness was uh, Sylvain Loosely. That was because of the angle shooting accusations. Uh, basically, what he was doing was when he was re-raising on two occasions, he put in enough to where it had to be a re-raise, but uh, didn't, uh, you know, but but put in too little for the raise. You know, so he put in too little, but he put in just enough to where it was more than the fifty percent. To where it has to be a re-raise But it looks like to the other players It may not be Now the reason that's considered an angle shot Is because it forces people To have to ask the question Because usually the dealer doesn't just jump and say Oh, you've got to fix this So by putting in these like Fake re-raises They're actually real re-raises But they kind of look like they're not You can see people behind you Of whether they call And you can see who objects to it, who wants it to be a raise, who doesn't want it to be a raise. You get a lot more information that way by putting out a number of chips that leave people wondering if it's a raise or not. So it gives him information if he's doing it on purpose. Now, Loosely claims that it was an accident. Even though it happened twice, he claims it was an accident. He just wasn't really paying attention. He happened to raise wrong. It wasn't on purpose. He wasn't angle shooting. I have been in the reverse spot where someone has done something wrong like that and then it's my turn to act and now I have to give away in a way what my hand is. Let's say I have a hand I want a cold call. If it's only if it's a, a, a if he's flatted, but I want to fold if he's three bet. So then I ask, what is that? And once I ask, what is that? Is that a raise or not? I'm already giving away that my hand is not strong enough to raise and that it may, it not, may not even be strong enough to call. Now, if I'm going to fold it anyway, then fine. But the thing is, like if he's put out just enough to where it is a 3-bit but doesn't look like it, once I ask that... Uh, it already makes it clear that my hand isn't that strong. So people thought it was angle shooting, and they're saying at the final table that's inexcusable. Especially if you get all the way that far, how could you not know how to raise properly? So I don't know. I, I don't know if Loosely was doing this on purpose. I have to think that uh, he probably wasn't. I mean, maybe it was a stupid way he came up with to try to get an extra edge at the final table, thinking that it's, you know... It's so valuable every edge you get there that is worth any shot to your reputation you get. But I have to think he was just nervous as of where he was. I have to think this is just a matter of uh, he's at the World Series of Poker main event final table, the thing he's dreamed about his whole life, and it's finally happening, and now he can't handle his chips right. Now he can't count his chips right. have to imagine he was probably more likely that than an angle shot. It could be an angle shot, but I have to think it wasn't. He might be an unlikable guy, but I think it wasn't. I, I think I think people just want to dislike him and took something that could either be an angle shot or just 
not knowing how to handle your chips properly or not knowing how to count properly in the heat of the moment. And they gave him the negative credit for it. We'll never know. That's my opinion. I don't think it's a huge deal. You know, it happened twice, but it's not like it happened eight times. It's not like he was doing this every time. He did it twice. So what? I mean, we we don't know for sure. There's no way to tell. And people do make these mistakes. I've made these mistakes, especially when the blinds change. Grenada Ryder saying in chat, Druff, I figured no matter what someone's doing at the poker table, if he falls into a predictable pattern, one can adjust to take advantage. I may be wrong, but that's my opinion. Bobby Orr saying he's French. Of course he's unlikable. (laughs) That's opinion from the chat room. So, I, I don't think it's a huge deal. I think people are finding reasons to hate on this loosely guy. By the way, this loosely guy was very uh, nitty. He waited a long time to play any hands. Uh, he actually uh, said that his strategy was just to let people fall off. He was actually saying, I'm going to play super tight, just let the short stacks shoot off their, you know, shoot off their money, wait for people to bust and move up on the pay scales. It's interesting because it's it kind of seemed like he came in with the idea like he's not shooting to win. Not like he doesn't want to win, but that he's not showing up saying it's so important to win. He's showing up saying, I want to make a lot of money, so rather than gamble a lot and uh, try to move up my chip stack and try to shoot for first place, I'm just going to watch people fall off and, and watch the money keep accumulating. And that's what he did. The money did accumulate. He finished in fourth, and uh, you know he got a pretty healthy payout. He got uh, uh, I don't even know what he got, but he got a lot. That's all I can say. Top prize for the main event: uh, eight point three million. Five point one million was second place. That was for Jay Farber. And uh, I don't have the rest of the payouts. But who cares? Oh, there we are. Sylvain loosely got uh, $2.8 million. So yeah, he got an extra $2 million over Mark Newhouse by just uh, hanging tough there. Just just not playing many hands and uh, knitting it up and letting everyone fall off in front of him. Letting, letting uh, five guys fall off in front of him gets $2 million. Not bad. Not as good as getting $8.3 million, but hey. He can go home and say, hey, you know, by not shooting off my chips, I made an extra $2 million. So, can't completely uh, diss that strategy. By the way, I use that word, hanging, the, the phrase hanging tough for uh, Josie there, who's a huge New Kids fan. Anyway, it's 11 o'clock here. 11 o'clock on the West Coast, and uh, I had to do this all by myself. Got a little bit of a break when I had our two phone callers with uh, Sheets and with Josie. I thank them for their calls. Thank the people in the chat room for some useful commentary tonight. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I have no more. And to tell you the truth, my voice really has no more. By the end of these solo shows, it really hurts. I have to give myself a big glass of orange juice to try to make it feel better. 
but I finish, I go, man, that hurts. I gotta start running commercials here. I gotta start doing. Some of you might wonder about Stat Clash. Uh, Stat Clash is no longer advertising on the radio show, but is advertising on the rest of the site. So they're still a sponsor of ours, and they just renewed for another month. So definitely go play on Stat Clash. But that's why I don't play their commercials anymore because they're not a, a radio sponsor, but they're still a sponsor of the rest of the site. So very happy to have them aboard. So if you want to play fantasy sports, click on the Stat Clash banner on the top of anywhere on PokerFileAlert.com. 100% deposit bonus, reliable payments. You know, I wouldn't let them advertise if they were shady. I've had many offers I've turned down because they didn't trust the company. But uh, Stack Clash looks pretty legit. Real money, fantasy sports. Figure I'd throw that in they're just renewed, even though they're not advertising on the radio itself anymore. If you do want to advertise on this radio show, though, feel free to contact me. We have very uh, reasonable rates. And pretty good ratings. Better than you think, probably. That's why we have these guys like uh, Ron's Gonna Ron showing up out of nowhere. All these Kansas City people showing up out of nowhere. They're not all Jay Searles, I promise you. We'll be back next week. Regularly scheduled time. 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. November 12th. That will be our next day on the air. Exactly a week from today. This is Todd Dandruff with Tellus. I'd like to thank uh, Sheets and Josie, even Ron's got a Ron for calling into the show and the chat room and all the people who donated money to our free roll. We love our listeners, whether live or in the archives. We'll be here every week for the foreseeable future. Even if next year I win that main event, I'm not going to give up this show. I'll still be here. It's still the same guy you've always known. Good night. Shalom. <laughs>